Good morning, everybody. Good morning, New York sports fans. On this uh, time changey daylight savings Sunday morning, it is now November first. It is no longer Halloween, but it's Halloween weekend, so we're going to keep the spirit going. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you until 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning or late Saturday night. I saw some people roaming around the city in their Halloween costumes. Maybe you're on a rideshare home or maybe you're just working on a weekend like usual. Hey, me and Nick behind the glass, we are too. And he's ready, willing, and able to take your phone calls. You guys know that number, 877-337-6666. Only your best content only, please. I'm coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here in Lower Manhattan. We're going to be together a lot tonight until 6 a.m. And also coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to take an in-depth look at the Giants-Bucks Monday night football game with a great friend of the show, Tampa Bay Bucks radio sideline reporter, TJ Reeves. And just a quick little shout-out before we get started to uh, Joe Beningo. Uh, he and I, we're, we've never met, but a career that starts as a caller and ends with hosting the afternoon drive in the biggest media market in the world. Well, that's impressive, bro. So enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the golf down there in Florida. It is well-deserved. Um, and, and guys, this is the first time I've been on with you since the conclusion of the World Series. And what's the biggest takeaway from Game 6? you can match. Kevin Cash, he put the Monster Mash on the entire series. And by the way, these are all Halloween-themed songs in the open tonight. Yeah, Kevin Cash put the Monster Mash, and he and his group of nerds were the only ones that wanted to take Blake Snell, his ace, out after pitching only 73 pitches. Snell was set to face the top of the Dodgers lineup that dreaded third time through the order. However, the script that was prescripted did not take into consideration that he had struck out all three of them. Twice leading up to that point. So Cash lost the World Series for the Rays and the $5 cash that I bet actually last Halloween on them to win the World Series. He lost that for me too. And it was supposed to turn into $155 as I told you guys last week. And actually, you know, I could, because I say that because I think that the Rays wind up winning it in game seven because LA was about to have, not have, I should say, Justin Turner due to the positive COVID test. So I, like the city of Tampa Bay, am furious with Mr. Cash and his super monster mash. This, though, has opened up a brand new conversation on the value, input, and validity of analytics to make in-game decisions. I hate to break it to you, but if you criticize Kevin Cash, you cannot be the one that criticizes the Chicago White Sox hiring of Tony La Russa. From an ideological standpoint, that is. La is old school. He'll make the in-game gut calls. He'll stand up there after the game, take ownership, put it all on him, and not deflect to the numbers in the post-game press conference if it doesn't work out. Oh, and another team in the league sent a call to the most hated manager in the game, by fans at least, literally 30 minutes after the last pitch in the World, Sodger- <laughs> the World Series Dodgers victory. They were not even off the field yet before a 313 number lit up A.J. Hinch's iPhone. The rest, they say, is history. A.J. Hinch is the new manager of the Detroit Tigers, and people feel real strongly about it. Some say that he's done his time, even though the length of the season was, because of COVID, almost like, what, a third of a regular standard season? If the players didn't have to do any time, people say, Hinch should not endure any more punishment, they say. I watched Kevin Millar on Intentional Talk on the MLB Network the other day. He said, he actually said he is good for baseball. Really? Good for baseball? Like, how? 
Some, including me, had hoped Manfred issued lifetime bans for him and GM Jeff Lunau, who undermined, again, the entire integrity of the game of baseball. And I was hoping that they would punish the players where it really hurts, not in the suspension, in their wallets. But here we are. I can't wait for the Red Sox to hire dirty Alex Cora back any day now. I know I'll be skeptical about these guys' teams moving forward. What a thriller. What a thriller. The Mets have a new owner. As in this song, narrator Vincent Price says in that video, for no mere mortal can resist the evil of a thriller. Oh, but Steve Cohen is near no mere mortal. Before we talk about how the Mets have this weekend become the richest franchise in the entire MLB by a mile and the second richest franchise in all of sports behind the L.A. Clippers. Don't Google it. I got it. I have to tell you that in finding that song today, I did rewatch that entire 13-minute and 42-second original Michael Jackson music video. It came out in 1983 before I was born, but man, did that scare me when I was a kid. I know my mom's listening right now. Those yellow eyes and that maniacal laugh at the end. I know last week I played for you guys for the Mets, Selena Gomez's Slow Down the Song for You. And although Mayor Bill de Blasio had the power to slow down the sale, he really did not, actually, all things considered. Ultimately, the office of the mayor, who had 30 days to review this and make a decision, actually, he did it in seven days. He deemed that Cohen was not a person who would, quote, basically, uh, according to the lease, he deemed him he was not a person who directly or indirectly controlled a felon. And so you've already seen the Photoshop memes of the blue and orange smoke billowing from City Field and the memes of the Pope with his eyes closed holding up the photo of Steve Cohen as a savior of the Mets organization. And that's really no exaggeration. I mean, he kind of really is. And as his first act as Mets owner, Steve Cohen says he plans to donate $17.5 million to New York City's small businesses, a welcome move by pandemic-affected owners, I'm sure. And he's also planning to, quote, dramatically increase the giving of the Mets Foundation in the coming years. He is also reinstituting all pre-pandemic salaries for Mets workers. Um, I'd love to hear how that money's being disseminated. And actually, I'd, I'd, more so, I'd love to hear from the business owners who do eventually receive it. So with MLB free agency opening Sunday night, or later tonight, I should say, Steve Cohen, with no doubt about it, is going to want to make a splash and send a major message to the entire rest of the league. The Mets will be, as we talked about a few weeks ago, no longer ordering off the dollar bargain menu, but off a fancy backlit menu with only the best choices. And I, side note, I know I mentioned it, but those actually do exist. Once in my life, I ordered off of one of those backlit menus, Martirano's at Paris, Las Vegas. So will it be a main course of George Springer with a side of Trevor Bauer and a JT Realmuto for dessert? You see that in that menu I just gave you? The keyword is and, Mets fans, not or. And I know that baseball is a business, right? But not all business is bad business. You know what Steve Cohen should do? And this is um, something that I don't know has ever really been done. I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't know if I should say that. But what I think he should do is renegotiate Jacob deGrom's contract and pay him the money that he deserves as one of the top pitchers in the game of baseball. Yes, open it back up and pay him more money. With back-to-back Cy Young Awards and damn near a third, I'd say he deserves it. I used to have a coworker that loved to quote the movie Jerry Maguire. He always said when we had contract negotiations coming up, show me the Quan. It's time the Mets organization showed Dick, Jacob DeGrom the Quan. I know, add it to the list of things to do, but Mets fans, isn't it great to even have that list to begin with? 
And on the other side of town, will the Yankees be haunted by the Steve Cohen effect? Will the billionaire owner shove the dagger like Michael Myers into Yankees universe, slashing all their hopes of still being the number one destination in town? You'd shudder to think of this scenario. What if the highly coveted DJ LeMahieu shuns the Yankees for greener pastures and greener cash in Queens? Hey, the Yankees have a lot of roster moves to make, but not a lot of room under that luxury tax to make them. The aforementioned LeMahieu, everybody's talking about he's a, he's a lock to be resigned with the Yankees, but he is not. And But he should be priority number one, as we said, week after week on this show. But he can't be their only priority. The Yankees pitching rotation behind Garrett Cole is um gaunt, like literally almost non-existent. Tanaka and Paxton, they're unrestricted free agents, and the Yankees declined Jay Happ's option. For what it's worth, I think in all likelihood, I think Tanaka will return to the Yankees, but that might be it. You got Luis Severino returning from Tommy John surgery, projected to return in July. And the Yankees might not even bring back highly touted Domingo Herman after his major off-the-field issues after serving his suspension even. I think the Yankees will certainly not be shopping in the Trevor Bauer aisle, or maybe will they? I doubt they're going to be in the Marcus Stroman aisle after his harsh, unsolicited critique of their pitching staff on Twitter. By the way, Stroman opted out of this season. He typed, quote, besides Cole, there's no Yankee current Yankee pitcher who will be anywhere in my league over the next five to seven years. Their pitching always folds in the end. That lineup and payroll should be winning World Series left and right, yet they're in a drought. LOL, with a shrug emoji. That's a weird way of asking for a job, if you ask me. So is it Charlie Morton? Jake Odorizzi? Mike Miner? Who is going to be the Yankees' number two pitcher? New York Jets, they have a game this weekend. Thanks, Taylor Swift, that they can't turn back on now. They are going to be haunted by their past. The Jets passed on Patrick Mahomes in the 2017 NFL Draft. They chose Jamal Adams with the number six overall pick, and Mahomes went at number 10 to Kansas City. And don't get me wrong, Jamal Adams is a tremendous player, game-altering talent, and the versatility to play anywhere in a defensive scheme. There aren't many like him, and that's just straight facts. So, Could we venture to say that the all-pro safety is one of a kind? The problem is Jamal Adams, in the prime of his career, sensed the sinking ship and forced his way off of it and onto a lifeboat as fast as possible. Can you blame him? Maybe I should have opted for that Celine Dion Titanic song for this section because it makes everything infinitely more dramatic. But in forcing his way out of here, and lucky for him, Jamal Adams will not have the same fate as poor Jack Dawson. There was room on that raft, by the way. The only use that Adams has for the Jets at this moment in time is in the form of a first and third round pick in the upcoming draft and a first round pick in the following draft. Which leads me to my next point, the next haunt. The Jets passed on Cliff Kingsbury and also passed on Eric Bieniemy, now Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs coordinator. Not at the time, of course. In the coaching search in 29, uh, 2019, January. Bieniemy was the Jets' very first interview. They chose Adam Gase. In about 12 hours of time, the Jets' front office will have a front-row seat to the Eric Bieniemy show, a show that has his Chiefs at 19.5-point favorites. Assuming the New York head coach job becomes open again, which, let's be clear, it's not at this point in time, why on earth would Bieniemy choose the Jets this second time around? Would you? You were passed over for an incompetent selection, and you'd be inheriting a weak roster with a quarterback controversy right off the bat. Or... Would you look at it as the Jets having a ton of draft picks in this upcoming draft and the second most cap space as of this very moment? You could also look at them like purchasing 
maybe a total gut job of a house. Those, if you have, of course, the money and the talent to do something with them, are much more fun. You can make the house your own and design it exactly how you want it to be designed. The Jets, they have the money. Is Eric Bieniemy the talent they need to construct a Super Bowl kingdom? Oh, yeah, and Super Bowl running back, I'm sorry, superstar running back that the Jets released a few weeks ago needs no more motivation to come back and haunt them. Perhaps Bieniemy will lead an offense on class, on-field class to teach Adam Guru a thing or two about how to use Le'Veon Bell properly in an offense. You know what? I'm actually hoping for it. The Jets were at plus 200,000 to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I actually had to count those zeros. So Jets fans, they might want to watch this haunting game coming up with a box of tissues in their security blankie. A game in which the Jets opened at 22.5-point underdogs. Now they're 19.5-point underdogs. Last I checked, that's a win, right? He ain't afraid of no Giants. Well, Big Blue is in big danger. Like this, right? Big Blue is in big danger of being picked apart by Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on national Monday night football stage. Who are they going to call? Certainly not the Ghostbusters. Well, maybe they're looking to dial up the ghosts of the Giants past. They're hoping their retro helmets and uniforms, which I love, by the way, you know, the ones um, that were like the color rush uniforms that they instituted a couple years ago. These are the ones that they're going to be wearing. It's the chrome giant helmet with the giants on the side. Well, they're hoping that their retro helmets and uniforms will channel, I don't know, Phil Sims or LT or Harry Carson. And maybe, just maybe, the Giants will defeat the greatest quarterback of all time, six-time Super Bowl winner Tom Brady and his fleet of absolute weapons in, I mean, do we have to go down the list? Godwin and Gronkowski and just all of those guys. In fact, the Giants, they've done it twice before, as you guys know, on the game's biggest stage. So without the Giants' influence, Tom Brady would have eight Super Bowls. Eight. Think about that. Or maybe these uniforms were just going to help them avoid what seems to be the unavoidable double-digit loss on the national stage. It's going to be a rough weekend for football here in New York this weekend. And... The Yankees have a lot of questions moving into this offseason. They have a lot of moving parts. Every time I hear everybody calls up, they want to know about Lindor. Can the Yankees get Lindor? I don't, you know what? With these Hal Steinbrenner's Yankees avoiding that luxury, luck, wanting to stay under that, uh, that luxury tax, I don't think Lindor is, is a viable option. Maybe you go and you get D.D. Gregorius. He, he would be a bargain at shortstop. You slide... Glaber Torres back to second base because um, that shortstop experience did not work out or experiment did not work out. I hear talk of trading Gio Urshela. I think that's kind of crazy too. The guy's up for a gold glove award and he might just win it. And, I mean, the first domino to fall has to be DJ LeMayhew, right? Has to be. I'm surprised it hasn't, you know, I'm surprised they didn't give him a contract as soon as he got off the flight back from the playoffs in San Diego. And then what is their pitching rotation going to look like? Their starting pitching rotation behind Garrett Cole. And yeah, the Yankees are hurting. All teams are hurting because without fans in the stands. But you know what? If given the option, I think I'd go to a game. So let's hit all the calls. Everything's on the table. You guys know that. 
Cannot wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight on The Fan in New York City. Get your full dose of Giants and NFL football here on The Fan today. It's doubleheader action starting at 345 featuring the Seahawks and 49ers, followed by the Cowboys and Eagles. Then it's on to Monday Night Football as the Giants are back home to face Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks Tomorrow night at 815 with Giants game day at 645. Make sure you're locked in for all the action on Sports Radio 1019 WFAN-FM with Big Blue Football. Also available on your laptop or desktop at WFAN.com. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here, everybody, on this November 1st. Italian, it's, uh, it's well, it's All Saints Day in Italian, it's Ogni Santi. However, um, I actually had two Halloween costumes today. Uh, the first, I took a picture, and maybe you saw it on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. It was me and and my, my dog, Lupa. She was wearing a Yankees jersey. I had on a Mets shirt, and I forgot exactly what I... Oh, yeah, I wrote... At 1-13 football, we are dressed up as ready for baseball season to start. And I'll see you guys tonight on the fan. But um, right now, I opted for just a slightly different variation of that. Um, what I'm wearing right now is a Mets cap, the black Mets t-shirt, David Wright on the back. And I printed out a—and I'll tweet out the picture maybe on the next break. I wanted to keep this a surprise, but printed out a MasterCard black card. And I very rudimentary— uh, on my phone with my finger, where the name goes, I put Steve Cohen. So Steve Cohen and the Mets have an unlimited black card money to spend in free agency. He's the richest owner in all of MLB and the second richest owner in all of sports. So it's time to get to your calls. Let's go with Justin in Deer Park. You are up first. Justin, you're on the uh, fan. First caller. I love that. You're right. You're, you're leading us off tonight. All right, yeah, happy for the Mets. Can I use a little Steve Summers reference on your show? Sure. At least, at least the, the coupons are no longer on the Metropolitan. <laughs> In my best Steve Summers voice, not trying to make fun of Steve, but you love Steve. That was a great impression. Yeah, well, it's about time, and well, hopefully they start spending. I don't think they should go crazy right away. I think they will. They will. Well, yeah, I think they will. I just—it's gonna be interesting. I'm excited for new ownership, and well, hopefully they're gonna have a good year. Who's first on your free agent list, Justin? Who do you want first? Uh, at least I would say lock up Conforto right away. Mm, good point. Yes, resign Conforto. Maybe even try and see if we you can get to Strowman. Maybe perhaps bring him back. Well, they extended the qualifying offer to him. I, I don't think he's gonna take it. He, uh, what I saw on Geico Sports Night, he's not going to, likely. Yeah. Well, they'll have to up, and, up the ante, I guess. Yeah, DJ, let me tell you, I, definitely, I say it's definitely coming back to the Yankees and and probably Tanaka. Yeah, I, 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 I think Tanaka, yes. And Justin, thanks for calling. Thanks for leading us off tonight. I don't think DJ LeMayu is a foregone conclusion. The guy is the best hitter in the MLB. He batted, what was it, 364? I mean, he can name his price and go anywhere. And I'm not sure if the Yankees, um, you know, if they can get it done and stay under the luxury cap at the same time. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not the GM. I don't know that for sure. But I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that DJ LeMahieu is a Yankee again next year. I'm sorry. I don't think so. I'll believe it when I see it. But I'm not, I'm not positive. Although I would love it. But I'm not positive. 
JJ in Verona, New Jersey. You're on the fan. Hey, how are you? What's up, JJ? How you doing? Welcome First to the all, show. Yeah. Um, if the Yankees do not sign DJ LeMahieu, they're idiots. They oh. just got to do that. Agreed. So that's, that's just – please, just do that. that there's, there's, <laughs> there's no way – they can't. I mean, come on. Um, luxury cap, be damned. Um, but mm-hmm. my point tonight is, like, back, back on the Giants and um, Joe Judge, if people don't realize how hard they're playing this year, how good this team is actually playing, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Because – they are at, they're good. They're, they're missing players. Absolutely. They, you know, we're still trying to dig out of what Reese did. Yeah. He destroyed the team. They, they gave Eli no help for years on the line. And we're trying to like get the off- offensive line back together. And, yep. and maybe Thomas is not going to be the guy. I, I'm not sure yet, but the fact that, they're one in five or one in six, whatever the record is right one now. One in six, yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Judge, they're actually playing good. I mean, you got to keep this guy. Now, Gettleman is a whole different ball game. I don't know what they're going to do with him, if they could kick him upstairs or what have you. Maybe we'll get Casoli or whatever his name is there from, from New England to come down. But we got to do something to keep Judge here because I think that they're moving forward positively with him as in, in charge. Absolutely. Absolutely, JJ, and thanks for the call. Absolutely, the Giants are progressing under Joe Judge. There's no doubt about it. I mean, that he, like he said, you know, the Giants do not have all the talent in the world on the roster. Let's just put it that way. Especially on the defensive side of the ball. But these players are playing for Judge, and that says something. You know, when you have a great coach and you have the players that want to play for that coach, you could see it. You could see it on the field. And you could see it when the Giants take the field. Now, are they going to beat the Bucks with it? No. But they also have, I mean, the Giants could make the playoffs. I know this sounds crazy. Still, at one in six, right? The Giants still can make the playoffs because they still have games coming up with their other NFC East counterparts who are just as bad. <laughs> Let's be honest. The Giants can make the playoffs. They're not going to go very far. Maybe a first-round exit, probably. But anything can happen in the playoffs, as you know that. But J.J. said a phrase that I wrote down as he was talking, luxury cap be damned. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think these Yankees, I mean, what has to change with the Yankees? Just go out and do it already. Luxury cap be damned. Go out, get the World Series, and dismantle it once you've won. Because I think the window's closing faster than people want to want to believe with the New York Yankees. And luxury cap be damned. Go out and, and get what you need and be done with it, and win the World Series, and take it. That's what I think. Anyway, that's, that's my f- feeling. However, the Yankees got themselves into this issue, mostly, or I blame, the Giancarlo Stanton contract, and oh, did not want it when it happened, and now look what's going on here. Joey, Massapequa, you're on the fan. Hey, hey, hey uh, you think the Jets go win today? The New York it's, Jets? Uh, yeah. Win versus the Kansas City Chiefs? Yep. Absolutely not. Do you? <laughs> what? I don't know. It's gonna be tough. Tough. How? It'll be a tough game tomorrow against against the big game, Kansas City Chiefs tomorrow night. How do you think the Jets are gonna beat the Chiefs? Let me ask you that. I don't know. You seem to be so convinced that they're gonna win. They gotta win. They gotta beat the Chiefs. The quarterback. 
Wait a second. Sam Darnold is going to beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Is that what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> oh, are you coming home from a Halloween party or something? No, I heard that Jets go be what uh, champions this year. You think they got beat the Chiefs? We got to. Okay, Joey. Yeah, the Jets are going to beat the Chiefs and be the champions of the league. At you know what, Joey? I, I suggest maybe you put. Just one dollar down on that line, plus at plus two hundred thousand for the Jets to win the Super Bowl. I, you can buy yourself a house and you can make it your own. I, I think well, maybe you could buy yourself a house. That's ridiculous. The Jets have no chance to win today. None, zero. But I got a tweet from at Chris Pal- Pagliarulo. Uh, Chris Pagliaro, actually, Pags on Twitter. He said, "Will either New York football team cover the spread this week?" Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with no on both. Well, maybe the Giants. Maybe the Giants. 50-50 on the Giants, but the Jets won't. The Jets will not cover a 19.5-point spread. They won't touch the Chiefs at all. But where I did put my money, I'll get to this in a little bit, I love putting it on, like, game props. I, I put, I, and you guys know I don't bet, like, it's like a million dollars, you know. It's like, put, like, $2 here, 3 there. I felt a little crazy. I put $20 on a team today to win the World Series. I'm not revealing that just yet. But um, will either New York team cover the spread, Pags, Chris, uh, Giants, maybe, Jets, no way. No way. Kevin and Camden, you're late tonight. What happened? Uh, I dozed off a little bit, but I was like, <laughs> I just, I, I'd like, oh, man. So I want to talk about the, uh, as a Mets fan, I'm happy. Well, I, I'm more than happy. I am thrilled that Steve Cohen is the owner. Yep. Uh, no more horrendous ownership. I'm just happy with that. And Batanzas is back with the Mets. Same with uh, Brad Brock. So happy that they're both back next year. Yep. But I'm going to say, for me, for me, I would resign, I would sign Trev- Trevor Bauer first as my first. Mm-hmm. No, I would resign Conforto first. Obviously, that's the main thing. Yep. And then sign Bauer. Because I feel like the offense is fine. But I don't think we need too much. I mean, too much of the offense. I think pitching is more what the Mets need. And I think Bauer, and then if you could sign Strowman there too. And also Charlie Morton. For one year, I'd sign him here, bring him to New York. So that's what I would do. Kevin, for the that, that's, that, that, I'm just, I wrote it down. Imagine a starting rotation of DeGrom, Bauer, Syndergaard, Strowman. And oh, that would be phenomenal. Oh, man. And as far as the, and I'm going to go with the Jets for a little bit because I want to talk about both. I mean, I don't know what that fan was saying. He thinks the Jets are going to win. Oh <laughs> no, no, that's not going to, that's not going to happen. I, you, know you, what, right. you know what I almost said, Kevin? I almost said if the Jets beat the Chiefs, I'm going to get a Jets tattoo. I almost said that, but you know what? I'm not going to go that far. But the Jets are not going to beat the Chiefs. No, they're not even. It's not even going to be close. I mean, lady, I'm going to, I'm going to predict this to you. You could write this down. Lady on Bell, 250, 250 yards rushing. Two touchdowns. I, I feel like I said last you know, week. Kevin, that, I feel that, like it's a big one. That was one of the bets I was going to put down. Le'Veon Bell is a multiple touchdown scorer. I was. I was going to lay that earlier today. But I just looked at it and I said, like, wow, they have Kelsey. They have Hill. They have all these guys that can score touchdowns. I'm not sure they're going to go with Bell um, for, for more than one. However, I did lay some money on Le'Veon Bell to be the first touchdown scorer because I think they're going to get the ball in his hands and they're going to say, look, look what you guys messed up on. 
and he's gonna he's gonna want it. So that's why I'm like, you know, normally I feel like normally I say you're right, but I just feel like with the motivation he has, oh yeah. please, he's gonna want it. Yeah, he's it was gonna stick it. for anybody listening. That by the way, those odds when I got them before they were plus six fifty. So I thought that was a pretty good bet. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just yeah, and the match. I'm just so happy. I mean, I was <laughs> I was doing it like when I found out. I was so I, I was I actually was at work when I found out because I was getting ready to leave because I was you know being on my shift. And he was like, yo, you know, Steve Cohen's got the match. I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah. And I check my phone and I'm like, and I tried, I tried so hard not to scream. But like, and one and one Philly, this is from a Philly fan. He was telling me, bro, I feel like JT Real Muto, it, despite what I was being reported, I feel like Real Muto's coming to yeah. your team. I'm saying that, bro, because money talks. Yep. So just, you know, just. Don't mind what, the, don't believe what the media tells you because I feel like we were supposed to go to New York. I'm like, okay, like as a Philly fan, you say this. He goes, yeah, I got, I just got that feeling. So you know, I'm just really happy. So we'll see what happens. Kevin, thanks for the call. Always. Thank you. Sorry, I cut you out there, but you know, it's just like he, like he sort of kind of mentioned, it's just one of those days in Mets history where it's kind of like Kevin was just saying. I was at work. It was like, where were you when Steve Cohen, when the announcement came out that Steve Cohen is going to change the fate of the New York Mets in his new ownership of the team. Where were you? Kevin was at work. I was at home. Or was I? Yeah, I was at home. And let's head out to Tony, Brooklyn. You're on the fan, Tony. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Um, yeah, I just want to say it's it definitely surreal. A long-time Mets fan, like, the Wilpons shut us down for years and to have this day, which we thought we would never ever see in our lives, to have the richest owner in baseball for us, and who's a Mets fan on top of it, it was like, like the Mets fans hit the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I they did though, but they actually, but they tomorrow. actually did though. You're right, hitting the lottery the, for a billion dollars or more. For, for years, we've always been. The worst, you know what? We had to go with coupons, pretty coupons, yep. and, and try and get this guy. And like, on, I on think the, the last person that they got that was like, like, suspicious was, you know, okay, but Piazza, I think, was like the only guy that actually I spent for that can like carry our team. But now it's like surreal. It's like a dream. Yeah, I, I, Tony, I, I get it, and I'm getting it. Thank you for the call. Um, yeah, it's it's. The Mets are no longer going to be shopping in the bargain bin. And what does that feel like? I know Yankees fans used to know what that felt like under under uh, George Steinbrenner. Now with Hal, it's a little bit different. Yankee fans, I know that. And and it pains me to to see that. But I think, I mean, the, the new destination is, is Queens, I think. And... Just to backtrack just a little bit, I, I got a tweet from at Paul M. Connell, too. He tweets me all the time. He's, he's a good, he's a good uh, Twitter follower there, Paul. He, he says, is, is uh, Joey from Planet Pluto thinking that the Jets are going to beat the Chiefs? Uh, yes, Planet Pluto isn't even a planet anymore, and that's where Joey's from. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> and back to that Le'Veon Bell bet, I think that's something you guys want to lay down. Le'Veon Bell, I put $3 on him to be the first touchdown scorer at six fifty to win twenty two fifty, including the stake. As I said, I was actually going to choose him for a multiple touchdown scorer, but like I said, that offense just has too many weapons and too many places to sp- spread that love around. I just think he he wouldn't score two. So 
I did actually, as I just explained, settled on first touchdown score of the game. Um, and I, you know, I, it's like people just throw money sometimes at bets, but I like actually sit there and I really like think about it, you know? So I settled on first touchdown score of the game I, I, for the mentality that they're all going to want to show the Jets what they're missing right off the bat. Like all meaning Bell, the enemy, Reed, et cetera. So I'm thinking that would mean giving Le'Veon Bell the ball to score, score the first touchdown, probably of many um, in, in general in the game. And um, Joey from Planet Pluto, that's, that should, that, that's what it should have said on the call screen. Joey from Pluto, um, the Jets have uh, no chance to beat the Chiefs um, at all. Um, and the other bet that I put, as we're coming up on the break here, guys, and, and 877-337-6666 is, is the number to get aboard. Uh, the other bet, just in case you wanted to know, that I thought through was um, Denzel Mims. I put two bucks on him at plus 450 to win 11, which includes a stake. At I think I just think the Jets are trying to work him in, and he was their second-round pick, 59th overall this year. They're trying to work him in as much as possible, and I think that since he missed just so much time with that injury in the beginning of the season, I think they're just they're trying to get him up to NFL speed as fast as possible. Um, in his first game versus Buffalo, by the way, um, he was targeted seven times, and he called the ball four of those times. He looked good, but he just still hasn't found the end zone. And my thought is that the Jets want to involve him as much as possible. Plus, he's got speed to burn, and he may be able to sneak behind the Chiefs secondary. So Mims at $2, Bella at 3 can't go wrong. So, so can't your calls. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan here with you on The Fan. Join us tomorrow morning on Boomer and Geo. We'll see how many points the Jets lost by. And we'll also check out the Giants and get ready for the Bucks coming to town for Monday Night Football. Boomer and Geo, 6 to 10 a.m. with Al and Jerry starting at 5 a.m. right here on The Fan. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on The Fan. I just like this song. It's a good song, Rihanna. I'm all about the music, as you guys know. My mom texted me just now. She said she loved the Halloween songs in the in the open. Uh, so thanks, mom. <laughs> uh, so last week, Derek Carr completed sixty six point seven percent of his passes, two touchdowns, one interception, and three hundred and three total yards. Why do we care about Derek Carr? Because that was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Does that mean that th- there's a chance for the Giants to shock the world on Monday Night Football? <laughs> no, sorry, the Giants will be doing no shocking of the world on Monday night. This is not the week for that. Sorry. The Buccaneers are just too good, both defensively and offensively, for that to happen. Furthermore, the Giants might want to start the ice baths now for poor Daniel Jones. The Bucks' pass rush is second in the NFL in sacks, and the Giants have allowed 20, 20 sacks so far this season. That's tied for 25th in the league. Yikes, Daniel Jones. Sorry, dude. And more on the Giants-Bucks matchup uh, with T.J. Reeves, the Bucks sideline reporter, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Oh, boy, let's do it. Kevin and Manalpin, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. First time, long time. How are we doing? <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. How are you? You know, I can't complain. I got a couple things to talk about. First off, yeah. uh, we heard Gio's uh, bump. It uh, depends how much the Jets are going to lose by. I'm taking the plus 19 and a half. That's the last time I saw the line, which is an hour ago, actually. I Don't get me wrong. The Jets are not going to win the game. We know that. But I do see the Jets tough, at least, and maybe getting blown out. But I think they're going to cover the 19 and a half. The oh, line is just too big. I don't think so. so. 
You don't think so? I think so. I don't know. I, I got a final score prediction of like, like well, here, what is it? Chiefs 45, Jets 10. I don't think it's going to be close at all. Oh, man. The game's going to be over Madden by halftime. <laughs> yeah, Madden. That's what it's going <laughs> to look like, I, Kevin. Listen, it's not going to be a pretty game, but you, you know how like bad teams play good teams well for at least three quarters? This is what I see mm. with the Jets, along with the Giants. I, I mean, you got the color rush uniforms. You, you got uh, – you know, Brady against the Giants. And again, I don't expect anything out of my team. I, I bleed Giant Blue. You know that, Danielle. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> but I can see the Giants. They play hard for Daniel. Or I mean, for Joe Judge. Yeah, they do. So, and they've been in games. The Giants honestly should be five and two at least. When you look at the Rams game, when you look at the Dallas game, when you look at the Eagle game, these are. Other than Pittsburgh and the Bears game, the Bears game and the Bears game, yes. I mean, these are games that they're in and they're playing tough. They they're learning how to finish, which is something they have not known what to do in the last ten years. So it, it's nice to see that the Giants are playing competitive football in sixty minutes for the first time since twenty eleven. Yeah. So which is great. And then uh, Daniel, just one more thing. Yeah. Um, why in the world is DJ Lemayu still a free agent? <laughs> I don't know. Well, because free agency hasn't opened yet, right? It opens uh, uh, Sunday night, later tonight. So, I I understand, but like, if I, I'm giving DJ Lemayu a blank check, if I'm Brian Cashman in the Sun Brothers right now, like the fact, it, like this is just ridiculous. Is that like now you hear the Dodgers talking with him and the Giants talking uh, to him, driving like, his price it, up. I get it, but like you gotta give, you gotta pay this man. I, I don't care what he's asking for. Like this is the guy. I, I don't care about Urshela. I don't care about um, Anduar. You gotta lock this guy up right now. I'm giving him a five year, one seventy mil at least. Like, Ooh. Whoa. Like, look at that average, Danielle. Like it. Like you have to roll the dice with this guy. Yeah. And Cashman rolled the dice with him for twelve million dollars two years ago. Yeah. Now it's time to pay up and. Listen, imagine what this guy would have been like with no COVID and with 162 games in the season. The man played, like, he's MVP in my my opinion. And if I'm the Yankees, if you want to win the World Series, I don't care about, oh, we're the favorites this year and this year. You need that person to be in the lineup, and that's DJ LeMayo. And, uh, Danielle, that's all I got to say. Let's go Giants, and uh, thank you for taking my call. (laughs) Thanks, Kevin. Giants super fan. Great points, Kevin, always. Uh, you know, great points. And DJ LeMahieu, yeah, he's the most highly coveted position player in free agency this offseason. He led the league in batting average, 364. MVP? Yeah, possibly. Could be. I thought he was snubbed for that gold glove award, I think. Um, but he is the Yankees' most complete player and one of the most complete players in the entire league at that. Um, and, yeah, I think the Yankees should do whatever it takes to resign him. He is the player around whom to build. And to use a phrase that Brian Cashman used in this season-end press conference about the Tampa Bay Rays players, DJ is a Swiss Army Knife type of player. And this is LeMahieu, not Jones. Cashman needs to lock him up and find more of them in a perfect world. But I, my favorite site, SpotTrack, has DJ LeMahieu. I mean, he's a little older, too. They, they have him valued at like $17 million annually. And they're projecting a two-year deal worth $35 million. He's 32 years old. I think the Yankees offer him a, thir- a three-year deal, not a five, a three. I don't know if it gets it done, though, but I would first start by offering him a three-year deal, $45 million, 
and just say, screw the luxury tax. Go all the way in this season. As J.J. in Verona started us off with, or at the beginning of the show, he said, luxury cap be damned. That's where I'm at if I'm a Yankee fan. Luxury cap be damned. All right, let's go in the order that you guys called. Let's go to Vernon in Manhattan. You're on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? What's up, Vernon? I got some hot news to tell you. What's that? Um, I got some hot news to tell you. Okay. Uh, I'm a full-season ticket holder with the Mets. Okay. um, Full-season ticket holder with the Brooklyn Cyclones. And it's very easy to find me. I'm on the bridge wearing the fireman's helmet of the New York Mets. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a story I have to tell you. And I know you're wearing the black New York Mets T-shirt, right? Yeah, I am. Okay, here we go. <laughs> you do you realize what happened to the Mets black jerseys? Why they don't wear them anymore? I don't know the story. All right, here's the story. The main store on the first floor of the New York Mets at City Field, the company is a contract company called Amway, and I got a chance to know the big boss. Okay. Well, the thing was, the jerseys was coming out in black, and they was wearing them, and fans was wearing them. Until one year, the jerseys came out with the Mets, but they had white trimming under the orange letters. Mm-hmm. So the New York Mets uh, organization didn't like the idea of putting little white letters under there. So they asked the company to take it out, which was Majestics. That's the name of the company. Mm-hmm. Majestics refused to do that because they said, well, we printed them. We're not going to do it. <laughs> so the New York Mets said, fine. The next week, not going to pay for the jerseys. Really? That's what happened. And what happened was it got stuck. So I was emailing my friends. I said, get those black jerseys. I said, because they're not going to print them anymore. And what happened was that's exactly what happened, and those jerseys disappeared. So that's the reason why you don't see the black jerseys. Well, I, me and Pete Alonzo are hoping that they do make a comeback under under Nike now, not not Majestic anymore. Yeah, the comedy actually at the time was Majestic. Yeah. The other, the other one, remember in the, um, when the Mets had the anniversary of the All-Star game? Yes. Okay. What happened there, they had these All-Star bats. The bats were selling for over $100. Mm-hmm. So everyone's going in and buying their All-Star bats with the Mets logo on it. Mm-hmm. And at near the end of the year, the bats came back for fifty bucks instead of hundred. Of course, I knew the big boss. I said, "How come the bats are being sold here for fifty and selling for a hundred? But the guy said this to me. He said, "The reason why uh, we dropped it to fifty bucks, another company ordered one hundred bats. So when he contacted the company, he said, "Your bats are here. We will send them out." The company says, well, no, 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 I, I prefer not the 100. Let me get 20 bats. So the, guy wow. said, guess, so the guy said, guess what? You get none. So he hung up the phone and said, don't mess with an Irishman. <laughs> so, so that's my story. Why the black jerseys disappeared and why the uh, New York Mets bats uh, for the All-Star was selling for 50 bucks. Daniel, you have a nice day, and God bless. It's burning. Excuse me. Thanks for the call, Vernon, and always dropping some knowledge of the big bosses on us. Always appreciated. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like the black jerseys. I, w- I hope, and I know Pete Alonzo is a very big proponent of the black jerseys as well to make a comeback, just as an alternate, you know, not as the full-time jersey, you know. Um, but I like it. I'm looking at it now. I, I like it. I mean, it reminds me of David Wright. It reminds me of Mike Piazza. It reminds me of the Mets glory days. Um, and, and I like it.
All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go. Let's stay with the Mets. Eric in Ronkonkoma, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Yeah, I love those black ones too. I mean, that was uh, you know late late nineties. You know when they went to the uh, you know the Subway Series and yep. everything. That was uh, you know that, that's when I picked up my black jersey. That's for sure. Yep. But who was uh, on the back of yours? You know, I I don't usually do names on the back uh, on there. I mean, you know, you know, I do have you know Piazza black T-shirt and everything. I, yeah. I'm just not much of a uh, the, the only actual named uh, jersey I have is uh, Wayne Corbett. Dang. Other than that, I just get you know I just get a uh, you know regular plain jersey on there. So. Did you hear the interview but, last uh, week? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a great interview. Good, thanks. So, um, okay, uh, real quick. Um, first, first off. Uh, if almost 40 years, Thrill is still one of the best videos ever. Just oh my God. That out there. Still scary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I remember watching it when it premiered. So, um, okay. A couple of things on the Cohen, you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, it's, it's official. I, I think he still has to wait till the end of the week before he can actually make any deals. though, right? I... Uh, from what I hear, he's got to wait 10 days before it actually fully closes. I don't know. I, there, but... He said they're going to try and push it through as fast as possible so that they're in it okay. right at the beginning. So I don't know. Right. Um, but you know, regardless of that, you know, assuming that he can do that, um, yeah, I just worry about some of the names. I know people are throwing Trevor Bauer out there. Obviously he's one of the, you know, premier pitchers and everything. I'm just worried about his attitude, you know, as far as New York. Cause I mean, you know, let's be honest, Syndergaard, you know, as much as I like him, he, he's, turned into a little bit of a prima donna mm. the last few years. I, I don't know if the change in ownership, you know, changes him back a little bit, but I, well, you know, I started see, getting a little, he, he threw a little know, dig at the little, Wilpons on Twitter. If you saw, I did see that. Yeah. Yes, I did see that. So maybe, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm not sure where, you know, how that falls in, you know, maybe, maybe being out injured for a while changes his perspective also. Right. Uh, I, I do agree with you on the DeGrom thing. Certainly I would rip that up and give him a better, better deal because i i just think it's ridiculous how they can't even win for the guy let alone right you know uh <laughs> you know let alone Force him to take a discount yeah yeah. Ex- yeah exactly exactly so uh but yeah i mean i would you know certainly you know real muto and 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 a couple other things i mean i i had the idea of charlie morton also i heard someone else earlier mention him yeah uh on there even though he's almost 37 i mean the guy can clearly pitch and definitely i think would be an upgrade over waka and porcello so um yeah. You know, but look, uh, all I know is that uh, the uh, the future looks brighter. You know, uh, as, you know. Hopefully, uh, they make some good decisions, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But uh, you have a good rest of the night. Oh, but last thing, I'm I'm curious to hear about your your opinion of the Justin Turner thing. So, uh, uh, but you have a good rest of the night. Yeah, Danielle. thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, a lot on that call. I mean, Mets fans have a wish list of players that they want. You know Trevor Bauer with the with I think first Eric mentioned uh, Trevor Bauer yeah with his attitude and the way he says what's on his mind I mean that could be really good for New York or really bad for New York and I think sometimes people think that he could go the way of like the Matt Harvey route which is possible or could be really good um, I always say and my my philosophy is you don't ever like you know give up on talent is what I always say and I always think of like Odell Beckham Jr. Who cares? I mean, I, I, who cares? He forced himself out of here because, you know, he, he really didn't want to be here. But you don't give up on talent. I think Odell Beckham should still be a giant because look at what they're dealing with now. I mean, they've got who? I mean, Sterling Shepard, sure. Golden Tate, sure. Slayton, sure. But Odell Beckham, I think, trumps all of them in terms of skill set. Okay? Um, 
But the Justin Turner thing uh, is another. Oh, let, wait, let's go back to the Mets uh, um, wish list. So we've talked about Trevor Bauer. Um, I would do Charlie Morton as well. Uh, he's he's like fine wine, the guy. He's gotten like a little bit better as he's gotten older. I would do him. I would definitely put him on the list. I wouldn't make him a priority, but if he did come available, I think he is better than, like you said, the back end of that bullpen. I mean, the back end of that starting rotation. Um, and the Real Muto, I mean, I would I would do it. I mean, I know he said he isn't so keen on coming to New York, and, and we'll get into him maybe if you want a little bit after the break, you guys, but I think uh, Real Muto has to be. I mean, the Mets basically have no catcher on their roster. It's basically right now. So I think it's I think it's inevitable, Real Muto, obviously. I, I mean, not obviously, but I think it's inevitable. And then um, the the Justin Turner thing, um, and for those of you who somehow don't know what happened, he his test came back positive in the second inning of that last World Series game, Game 6, as having COVID. And he was immediately removed from the game. Um you know, this is this is what I've gathered, and he's been he was told to get guess quarantine in the clubhouse or whatever. Um, and then when the Dodgers won, he came back out onto the field, intermingled with all of the Dodgers players. You know, his manager, the families, and the kids, and and the spouses, and all without a mask on. Now, I you know, <laughs> there's so many things. First off, why wasn't why didn't the MLB and Rob Manfred, who I'm sure was there that night, put his butt in a cab, send him back to the team hotel at that point in time? One. Two, why couldn't security keep him in where he was supposed to be in? And three, how bad is that? That you don't even have the, um, what's a common courtesy, I guess, the respect for other people to just even put a mask on? Oh, wait, and the other thing is, too, how would you start a game without all of the test results coming back? Was it just his that didn't come back until the second inning, or was it the entire teams that didn't come back until the second inning? I think in a situation like this, you postpone the game. You postpone the game. You did the test. You postpone the game until all the results are back. That's it. And then you plan accordingly from that point in time. This, this should have never happened. I think the MLB fumbled it. But shame on Justin Turner for for acting in that manner. I mean, guys, it's a it's a virus that's spread through air particles coming out of your mouth and nose. In order to come here tonight, I have to wear a mask into the building. Mask in the main. I, the only time I can take my mask off is in, in this studio right here where I'm sitting. I bought my own windshield. I uh, microphone windshield that is. I bought my own uh, Lysol wipes in here to to. Lysol wiped the entire place down and, and, and everything. I mean, I'm not like afraid of the virus, but I think it was extremely, extremely reprehensible for Justin Turner to go out there and, and behave in that manner. Um, with, uh, without, even without the mask on. Welcome back, everybody, after that short little turnaround. Thanks, Mike McCann, on that update. Uh, hey, guys, uh, listen, I think the theme of the night has been the Mets just became very rich. Um, the Jets and Giants are, I don't know, 
I don't know. Just uh, a little bit of an underdog in the game in week eight, I would I would say. Um, I think the Giants maybe might have a shot, but the Jets absolutely don't. Yankees have, I think, a lot more questions than answers at this point in time. And with free agency set to open, I believe it's tonight, uh, Sunday night. Yankees have some choices to make. And the Mets have a full menu to pick from for the first time in a long time. I got a tweet at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N from DJ, not DJ LeMahieu, uh, DJ Maka. His, his at is at MusicMan99X. He said, Coach, Scott Boris has now found a new best friend in team with Cohen and the Mets. Have to agree. Have to hit agree on that. I also got a good tweet from Dave Baldanza, which is at Gangreen780. He said, how is it possible that MLB free agency starts today and MLB still has not informed anyone if the DH is going to be permanent in the NL? How are teams supposed to make moves without that information? I think, um, and, and Nick and I were just talking right during that update, and I just tried Googling really quick just to make sure they really haven't made a decision on that, and it looks like, no, they have not made a decision on whether or not the DH will be around for next year moving forward. I think it should be, but I think that should be ironed out. Hope maybe sometime today they're going to make an announcement with that so that teams can plan. Um, maybe that's a, a secret among all the executives is that it will or will not be, and fans are not privy to that information. I know I'm definitely not privy to that information, so I think that's a great point. And if you guys want to get aboard, 877-337-6666, there is one open phone line for you. And if you uh, are working or something and you can't call in, it's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I can take you there, too. I'm just loading that up on Facebook as well. Uh, let's go right back to the phones. Joe in Staten Island. Joe, you're on a fan. Hey, Danielle. How you doing? I'm good, Joe. What's up? Uh, not much. Um, I was uh, calling to ask about, like, Danny Dimes, the mm-hmm. Giants quarterback. Yeah. I mean, do you think, I don't think, that uh, we should stick with him? I think we should probably tank and try to get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, what's your opinion on that? Well, I don't think you're going to out-tank the Jets. That's first. <laughs> probably not. No, I don't, think we, I don't think we are. I'm hoping that the Jets uh, pull out, like, a win somehow. <laughs> Doubtful that they will, but... Uh, I, I I would rather uh, I, I I I I want that I want that to happen. You know, um, the, the Jets always seem to find a way to do that, though. And 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 I think if they do it this season, I was kind of looking at the schedule for the, that game. I'm going to peg it on the Las Vegas Raiders. I think that's going to be the game that they pull out if, in fact, they do pull out a win eventually somewhere along the line. Okay, yeah, that that that, that makes sense. Um, I I mean, the other question that I had really is like. I, I just made a bet tonight, a hundred dollars. Hundred, whoa! Uh, yeah, a hundred dollars on uh, Joe Biden winning uh, the electoral college by sixty to ninety nine points plus one six seven seven. How likely do you think that's going to happen? To wait, I have a question. You can actually bet on the presidential election. Can- yeah, I bet. Yeah, book, uh, yeah, you could do it on bookmaker.eu. I bet on uh on uh on the presidential election. I did. I, I bet $100 to win 1677. Huh. Democrats by 60 to 99 electoral votes. All right. Well, Joe, I- I'm going I'm going to drop you right there cuz as you know, as you've hopefully come to learn and all my listeners, this is not a political show. There are other channels for that. Um but I'm just amazed that you can bet on a presidential election. I had no idea. Um, and, you know, this isn't a political show, so I just dropped you right there. But your original question about Daniel Jones, um, 
I know you're not sold on him. I, you know, first of all, you're not going to out tank the Jets, okay? And then Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the draft. Do you think uh, Justin Fields, right, is better than Daniel Jones? I, you know, I don't know. I don't think so. I think Daniel Jones, development wise, I think it's not turn to time to turn on him. I mean, he's learning on the fly. It's this instant gratification of feeling is is just what's killing his development here because this Twitter fingers universe. I mean, Tom Brady was drafted in April of 2000. He didn't start a game until week two of the next season. Eli Manning sat for 10 weeks before he started a game. And guess what? Eli Manning wasn't that good. And he had better weapons around him than Daniel Jones does. I mean, Eli Manning was throwing to first-round pick Ike Hilliard, second-round pick Amani Toomer, first-round pick Jeremy Shockey, all with an outstanding offensive line that he went on to win two Super Bowls with. Daniel Jones is throwing to... Second-round pick Golden Tate in the back nine of his 10-year career. Fifth-round pick Darius Slayton. First-round pick Evan Ingram, who I believe should be, and rightfully, I think rightfully so, on the trade block. Obviously not living up to potential here in New York. And then who? He's got sixth-rounder Damian Ratley. C.J. Board, undrafted. He started on the Ravens practice squad. I think Giants fans, you're just so spoiled with seeing so many years of seeing number 10 on the field for the Giants that... You guys are ready to run this number eight out of town already. Give him a break. Let him develop. He's in a new system. You aren't winning the Super Bowl this year. These are growing pains. I'm not giving up on Daniel Jones. I think he's shown you um, too many good things for you to give up on Daniel Jones at this point in time. Especially the fact that he's in the top three in, in quarterback rushing. Think about that. Top three in rushes for a quarterback in terms of yards, I believe it is. So, Come on. And and his 80-yard run that he tripped and fell on, longer than any uh, yard uh, run that uh, Saquon Barkley has, by the way, the running back of the Giants. E. Frank in Astoria, you're on the fan. Yes, uh, good morning, Danielle. What's up? Hi. Yeah, I just want to say a little bit about the uh, Steve Cohen. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of people uh, complain about it because they don't know too many things about Mr. Cohen. He's a mystery man, right? Right. And they usually have said that uh, he had problems with uh, a deal uh, in, in you know, that wasn't, it was shady. Yep. You know, he, he actually is helping uh, the Mets uh, recover many of the losses. And if you look at the arithmetic, eventually you will see that uh, he's the savior of the, the Mets franchise overall. He's, he seems to be a benevolent man that's going to support the local economy and the city issues involving the sport the sports teams but uh, there's only one drawback mayor de blasio said one thing about his legal department now uh, uh he's turning away from that so i i wish mr cohen very well and hopefully people will see the, the light behind uh, his efforts well yeah thanks for that call yeah i mean steve cohen based on what he's already done i think that he uh, absolutely has the best interest of the Mets and the area around City Field in his best interest, of course. Um, we don't know much about him. Um, we don't know much about him at all. But I could tell you that I think that he has the ability to change. Um, change isn't the strongest, stronger, strongest word to say. I think maybe revolutionize, I would say. I, I think he has the ability to revolutionize free agency as we know it, both in baseball and in sports. I think I mentioned it last week, but what we do know about him is that 
is how he made his fortune on Wall Street. The guy was a short-term speculator. He placed high-volume bets on very small movements in stock prices. So I did think, okay, how does that translate to the baseball field? I was thinking above-average yearly but very short-term contracts for players moving forward. I think uh, that would be I, – I just think it would change the entire way free agency is structured. And, and the guys right now, they want to be locked up for long-term on these long-term deals. But if you can get, I don't know, 15 20% more dollars-wise as a player to take a shorter contract, and if it doesn't work out, you do have the opportunity to get out of it at the end, I, I, I would take that as a player. And I think Trevor Bauer might be the first guy to buy in, and that's no pun intended. But think about that. Think about how that can affect everything moving forward. And again, 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Let's head out to Bruce in Melville. You're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, what's cooking over there? <laughs> what's up, Bruce? Not much. I thought you were going to give me some props with the old uh, short-term uh... – Steve Cohen and his uh, short-term contracts, but uh, I'll let it slide that one. What do you no mean? Deal. I-, I thought of that. Huh? <laughs> I know, but I, <laughs> but, I, but I enhanced it. But anyway. What's up? We were, uh, we, you guys were talking about the uh, the black jerseys. Yeah. Pete Alonzo should not, should not be worried about uh, the black jerseys. He should be more concerned about, uh, you know, um, you're getting his stroke back and uh, becoming a, you know, a, 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 a millionaire and multi, you know, possibly, uh, you know, who knows, billionaire with, uh, you know, a contract coming up with Cohen. But, you know, um, to these free agents, you know, let's be honest. Um, you know, everybody is, is, is gaga over some of these free agents and you really got to look and you got to, you got to really you gotta delve into the numbers. You know, Trevor Bauer is somebody that is, you know, the sexy pick that everybody thinks is, is so, uh, is so great and so on and so forth. But, you know, if you really look at the numbers, when he first went over to Cincinnati, you know, he was pitching to a 7 ERA, and then all of a sudden he, he comes into a contract year and he's pitching to another two, a 2 ERA. Um, that's that's the first thing. The second thing is Rio Mudo. You know what? The guy doesn't want to come here. He wants to play games maybe with regards to, uh, you know, um, his agent playing games about not wanting to play in New York. You know, they don't come. Yeah, we'll be fine without him. There's plenty of other good catches out there. McCann, you know, is a serviceable guy that you know that you know knocks in twenty, twenty-five home runs. You know, and and you know calls a great game. You know, the one guy that I really, really want that you know is something that the Mets have lacked forever. Wait, are you gonna, are you going to say uh, Brad Brad Hand? No, 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 oh. no, 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 no. George Springer. Oh yeah, George we, Springer. we have not. We have not had a center fielder, and, and, and the way City Field is, uh, you know, is you know laid out, mm-hmm. you know, with, with those with those large gaps in, in the uh, you know in the outfield, you know, Springer is a no brainer, and then you sit there and you have an outfield of Conforto, you know, uh, Cano, and you, you, you spell, um, um, you know, JD Davis, and then uh, and then Springer there, you, know, you really have a nice nice outfield, and. Uh, you think J.D. Davis um, is, is formidable in, in left field? I don't think so. No, no, no. I, I don't think in every day, but I think, uh, you know, a, a once or twice a week. Not, you know, not a, you know, not a, you know, not, not a bad, not a bad, 
See, I, th- see I think, I think, see, I think, and I, I had this also written down. George Springer would be third on my list, but I think that you go Conforto in right, Springer in center, Nimmo in left. That's what I would do. And he, and I looked at the fielding percentage of Nimmo in left, and it's equal to that of Springer in, in center. So I think that I think JD Davis, believe it or not, I think JD Davis is going to be a trade piece. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. You know, if, I mean, honestly, you're probably right. I mean, he's he's. He's got the good. He's got good enough numbers that he could probably draw back something decent. You and know, he, whether and he's be, he plays infield and outfield. I mean, I think he's he's attractive as as a trade piece. Yeah. Yeah. No. And definitely, like I said, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. You know, you're right. He's definitely versatile. Um, because you know, they, the Mets have a lot of those that kind of like tweener guys. Yeah. You know. Um. You know, it's it's like kind of like you know, I don't really have a home. Yeah. You know, they kind of, and I really want to. The other guy is Dominic Smith. I don't want to get rid of the guy. You know, I really hope that the DH in the yes. National League, even though I was really against it, but it really helps the Mets. The Mets are set up for with, it. Yeah. So uh, I really hope he comes back because I, I got to see Dominic Smith every day in the lineup. Yeah, but you I know do. what, though? If the DH doesn't come back, what do you do with him? That's, that's the... Uh, I think you trade him. I think, you, I think you trade that, him. You have to. You have to. That's that's a million-dollar question, but you're going to have to trade him. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. right? After the numbers he put up this season. But unfortunately, there's no place for him. Like you said, he's he's like a tweener. Yeah. And it's – it's um, and, and, and what, I guess the last caller brought it up, uh, or I think maybe it was a guy that, that tweeted you. Yeah. And he brought up a, a really good point. And that, that's sometimes MLB and, and Manfred, you, you know, he's a, first of all, a horrendous uh, commissioner. But, you know, how do you – start out free agency and not, you know, give a valid answer on whether the NL is going to have a DH or not. I know. Yeah, that is like a, that is a massive thing yep. when you're, when you're for, for the Mets are a prime example. Yeah. You know, yes. It, it just doesn't make any, it, like I said, it doesn't make any sense, but, uh, you know, any, like I said, you know, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think the Mets are going to make some moves. I don't think I don't think Cohen's going to, you know. Well, listen I, again. I don't know what he he's going to do. You know, the guy just bought a you know a piece of artwork for one hundred forty one million dollars. So, you know, I mean, listen, when you got it, you got it. Right. So uh, you know, I wish. I wish. <laughs> yeah, I, me too. You know, so um, I don't know what he's going to do, but. Uh, I think one, to two, one or two of these guys is not, you know, out of the question. Yes. But um, I, I really, honestly, I don't want Real Muto. I just don't like when, when guys, you know, publicly come out and say, yeah, I don't want to come to New York, whether they're playing the game uh, of agent-wise saying that they want to bump up the number of this and that. Yeah. You're trying to be greedy or whatever the case may be. I get it. I get it. Then don't come. Yeah. yeah, don't come. Who cares? Yeah. We don't need you. I get it, Bruce. Thanks for the great call there, Bruce. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it. I do. I understand. You know, it's it's not Christmas time. <laughs> Although, guys, if you go to the stores, it's all all the stores are decked out with Christmas decorations already. But don't get me started on that, please. But it's Halloween weekend, and the fans in the New York Mets have already made their free agent wish lists to deliver to the new owner, who seemingly has more money and more power and more influence than Santa Claus himself. Who's on your list, Mets fans, and in which order are those free agent players? We'll hear from you guys after the break. 877-337-6666. 
Coming up today at noon, right after Football Sunday with Mark Malusis and David Deal, we'll take you around the league with Eye on Football to preview all of the NFL game day action. Then it's an NFL doubleheader beginning at 345, featuring the Seahawks and 49ers, followed by the Cowboys and Eagles, all here on your home for NFL football. Sports Radio 1019 WFAN-FM and streaming on your smart speaker, mobile device, laptop, or tablet at WFAN.com. Welcome back here to McCartan After Midnight. We are all ready to go. We are we are wound up for MLB free agency. Uh, Kevin from Camden tweeted me, and he said, by the way, um, free agency opens at 5.01 p.m. Sunday. Later today, guys, 5.01 p.m. Once you've suffered through that Jets-Chiefs game, check your phones, be on Twitter. It is going to be a frenzy because with the sale of the Mets to billionaire Steve Cohen... They are the richest fan- franchise in all of baseball and the second richest franchise in all of sports behind the L.A. Clippers. For almost an entire calendar year, from the first time he was expected to take over as owner, Mets fans have been fantasizing over a free agency period like the one they are about to experience. So who's on your list, guys? Let's hear it. 877-337-6666. Ben, Queens, you're on the fan. Morning, Coach. What's uh, up, ben? Happy, happy Halloween Me and too. happy Day of the Dead for uh, everybody of Latin persuasion. Dia de los uh, Muertes. Um, five points, real quick. We're going to fly through these. One, uh, I, I, I tweeted you guys with the Clemson game, and uh, not not necessarily about the game, but. Imagine that moment as a father. Yeah. You, you you get to call your son making a big play in a game like that. Joe Tessator, hats off to you, man. I If it's my relative, I am losing it in the booth. The only thing, oh, the only one I remember like that, it's going back to NASCAR. Ned Jarrett was in the booth watching Dale Jarrett win the, uh, the Daytona 500. And he, he and everybody just laid low and let Ned just go crazy on air. Yeah, I, Ben, that's a good that's a good point you brought up. I was, I, you know what? I, what is the right way to do it? Is the right way to do it the way Tessitore did or Tessitore in Italian, or is it better to say like, it's, I wish he snuck in there. I'm so proud of my kid or something. I I, I really wish he did. Yeah, Greg, Greg McElroy just prodded him. Yeah. Like, uh, you must have had to really do some deep digging. <laughs> yeah, into it. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was cracking up the whole time because when I saw him come into the game, I was like, back of his jersey, say, Tessitor, hold on a second. And that, that's cool. But we're running with a horror theme. So, you know, Clemson, they're like Jason. Boston College thought they had him. <laughs> uh, Lord knows the defense made so many mistakes in that first half. And in the second half, Bob kiss. <laughs> Zip. Yeah. The Cops could add, if the Boston Cops adds any points whatsoever, they're going into overtime. And they couldn't get anything. Um, as far as the Mets, told my dad, congratulations to him with getting the Cohen thing finalized. Um, and you know what? I love hearing from Vernon, because Vernon always comes in with some insider stuff. Yeah, I know, that- I know. He 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 was Tony Page's deep throat <laughs> for for years. Vernon, thank you, man. I love listening to your phone calls because I always find out something. That's the reason no black Mets shirts. 
as a Yankee fan, I go like that. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just putting it out there. That sucks. Uh, going to my Jets. Um, this is going to be funny. This is going to be I spit on your grave, starring <laughs> Mr. Bell. That's what this is going to be. Um, I don't think he gets 250 yards, but if he could, <laughs> you know he would. Um, yeah, there's just too much. That's, there's too many weapons to go around. I don't think he's going to have that much production. I, I think I'm guaranteed one Henry-type run where he just shoves <laughs> guys down left and right. And I, I will be listening while at work, just groaning the entire time. Well, hopefully for me, it happens at the goal line. <laughs> <laughs> There's no personal reasons involved. Just hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> um, as far as my Yanks go, all right, this, 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 this is going to be funny. If Yanks, if you aren't even approaching the prospect of talking to Springer, I need to talk to you because I'm seeing Springer and LeMayu in the lineup, and that's the hitting we need together. Hey, we shouldn't even discuss, should we bring LeMayu back? Like, what are you watching? He's <laughs> the guy that was making consistent contact. I know, I know. If, he isn't on, if he isn't on your list, I really want to see what the list is. But I'm looking at Springer because not only does that help us, but that weakens the Astros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hello? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's a no-brainer. Why, why are we even thinking about this? And finally, uh, and, and this is a serious one, and, and a, 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 a caller brought up the Justin Turner thing. I knew you were going there, yes. Yeah, yeah, I had to bring it down a second like that. It's not the fact that you really want to celebrate with your teammates. I'm not mad at that because that's a World Series. That's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Yes, could be. It's the fact that, A, you got res- uh, This is what happened, Daniel. They got results before the game. They sent his results back in. All right? If you're going to send his results back in, then you notify the Dodgers. Hey, Dodgers, until we get conclusive one way or the other, you sit he him out. can't play. Right. The fact you got that in the middle of the game that he's positive. Okay, all right. So, so all right. Uh, like, okay, we yanked him one time once we found out, which is a lie because you found out in the second inning and he played all the way to the seventh. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, there's the celebration later, and somehow you let him do I Spy, James Bond, rest in peace, Sean Connery, his way back onto the field didn't stop him. Well, oh, well, he's on the field. Let him celebrate. Oh, he just took his mask off. Ha <laughs> ha, that's going to be so hilarious. Yeah, no, it's not funny. Major League Baseball, what are you doing? Coach, once again, thank you for the interview last week, and thank you for the time. <laughs> Thanks, Enjoy. Man. Yeah, uh, again, irresponsibility uh, on all parties there. Um, good point. I mean, uh, going back to the fact that they should have never let him like like Ben just said, they should have held him back until the test was was conclusive for sure, absolutely. And as far as George Springer, I mean, I got a little hang up on George Springer. I think that, uh, you know, he's he's played right field and center field, and he's actually played more games as a, as a right fielder actually 
But if you're looking for the Mets anyway, because I don't think the Yankees have need an outfielder. I think the Yankees are pretty set on their outfield. I don't think they really need a, a guy like George Springer to join them with a guy like Clint Frazier, who is a gold glove uh, uh, contender for uh, for uh, for and in the outfield. And you got Brett Gardner, who I hope they don't bring back Brett Gardner because uh, enough is enough with him, right? And and you've got a formidable outfield. So I don't think George Springer to the Yankees um, would be the move. I think George Springer to the Mets. I mean, he might even resign with the Astros. But you never know. But if you look at Conforto and right, Springer and center, and, and Nimmo and left, and if you know Brandon Nimmo like I do, he will do anything, absolutely anything, in order to help the Mets win, if that means sitting the bench, whatever it is. But then there's the obvious. There's George Springer joining a new team after the major Astros cheating scandal. Fans of this season also did not get a chance to air out their differences with him and his teammates. So now, Mets fans, you might have a, a moral dilemma. Do you sign the cheater who helped undermine the entire game of baseball, or do you pass on him? The guy is not going to be blackballed from the league. Someone will get him. And I'd be curious to hear what Tiger fans think of A.J. Hinch as their new manager. I went back to try and find um, what, what Springer commented about the scandal, and he's actually been relatively quiet about it. But what I found were things like, the scandal was, quote, unfortunate, unnecessary. He also said, we are all responsible. He also said, I'm sorry that we're in this situation today, and I regret the fact that we are in this situation today. No ownership shown there. He says, it's important to stand together and send one message as a team. Our message is clear. We regret everything. The amount of remorse is very, very apparent and very obvious. Mm -hmm. Not really. Read the room, right? So is that enough to stomach and pick up the pen and sign a check to the guy? I mean, just a quick look at his numbers. You'll see that, at least offensively, his batting average and on-base percentage were at at a level that is one of the worst in his career last season. And... Even without cheating, though, he did cut his strikeout rate to a career-best 17%. So this is more of a moral, ethical dilemma than economic for the Mets. And again, he could still return to the Astros, but I do not, I I don't think, and I don't expect the the Yankees to be going after George Springer. Lenny, in probably very warm Fort Lauderdale, you're on the fan. Diane, so nice to hear you on the radio again. (laughs) Thank you. First, uh, first, Carton's back. Now you. I think this is the big, biggest signing for me. Carton and Mick Carton? How's that sound? Carton and Mick Carton. That would be a good show. <laughs> Forget Evan. Let's go. No, Welcome Evan's back. a good guy. When were you back on the air since? How long? Uh, well, I've been, I came back uh, as my third time back since March. Oh, gee, I wish I knew. I, oh, that's I, okay. I stopped listening at night. But oh. What a nice surprise. Well, you're back. I'm here I mean, every week from now on. And you haven't so. lost anything. you still got your fastball. Uh, thank you, thank you. Good job. <laughs> uh, let's see. About the Mets, I think they got to go after Lindor and Springer. Um, those are my two key guys. They need a, a lot of life in the offense. And Lindor brings a, a joy to the game yep. that I find not, not too many people playing today have. I, I see Mookie Betts has it. Mike Trout has it. I can't tell you. This kid on on Seattle definitely has it. That uh, Rosarena, and I think Lindor is one of those guys too. I agree with you. Yes. So I think that's an important aspect to uh, bring to a team. Yep. And George Springer doesn't scare you though. Nah, you know they're going to sign. He's going to sign somewhere, and he's going to be good somewhere. So why not us, right? Right. Why not us? If he can handle the media, bring him on. 
Yeah, I guy's wonder. A good, guy's yeah, a good player. I know. I wonder how people, how tough people are going to be on him too. Actually, now they'll be tough. I mean, they got off easy, man. The Astros easy, especially with no fans. Are you kidding? Ah, me? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's it's really a shame. It should carry into this year as well. I believe. I believe so too. Yeah. Did you see all the Halloween costumes? I was looking on Twitter. People. Oh look, no. Oh yeah. There's all. I follow uh, Asterix uh, Shame Tour on Twitter, and they were posting all kinds of hollow kids Halloween costumes with buzzers in garbage cans. Ah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. They're a good follower. I really enjoy that account. And let's see, in regards to the Jets, uh, my dream would be uh, Levon gets taken out near the sidelines and he takes out Gaze. <laughs> he takes him out, boom. Oh, it would be great to see him knock him over. Watch <laughs> oh. those bug guys come out of his head. What a, what a, what a waste of a, a coach that guy is. Right. Uh, it's just unbelievable. How do they not see it? How do they not see it? I don't understand. Maybe he's the perfect coach for tanking. You know? <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe like the plan trying. was... I never, I never saw such a pitiful offense. Uh, Darno, we have no idea what he is. And it's a shame that we never will know, you know? Yeah, because I know that. This guy there. And uh, what else did I have to say? Oh, here's my theory on baseball. You know? With cash and all. I think the opener is a good thing, but they don't do it right. Listen to the way I think it should be used. Okay. Instead of starting the starting pitcher and letting him go six innings, then bringing in this or, whatever, or starting an, an opener and bringing in another equally equal pitcher as an opener. Okay, wait. You so, start so, the wait, opener so and then you bring in the, the real starter from the third inning or the second inning okay. to the eighth or the ninth inning, and then they're in for the important part of the game. I mean, yeah. try and steal six outs early in the game. Now you bring in your, your ace. And now that guy's going to earn his money. That he's, he's making whatever the starting pitchers make the most money, and they're out of the game yeah. in the most important part of the game. I get it. I, I just think that you saw it with Blake Snell, and I think this whole thing of the third time through the order is kind of the thing. You know, I think that. Right, but if they come in in the second inning or the third inning, there is no third part of the order. Mm, I think at that point you'd, you'd bring in, or the analytics people would bring in an actual closer at that point, maybe the last inning or so. Uh, yeah, you still bring them in, but at yeah. least the, the main pitcher is in the game in the seventh, eighth inning. Mm. I don't know. That's, yeah, a, that's know. a big pet peeve of mine. I can't take. I don't like I the whole take idea. The coming out anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like the whole idea, and I don't like. You're right. The, the pitcher's coming in and out, and, and oh, commercial break. Terrible. It just loses and, and you. In regards to Larusa, yeah, get that guy out of here. The guy's <laughs> a drunk. The guy's a, a blind eye to steroid use. Um, yes. What, what happened? Steroids must be making a comeback, I guess, if he's back in the game. Oh no! Oh, I don't no. get it. I know. I don't get I know. it. What, the guy's overrated. He's he's another contributor to the end of baseball with a. Changing relievers here and there, mm-hmm. and uh, I have no use for that guy. Get rid of him. Okay, he's a dog lover. I like that. That's yeah, about it. I know. I saw that too. Uh, or, let's or is hear, that let's just see a... how fast he falls asleep at the red light this time. Right? Oh man, <laughs> some fire! Anyway, you, hey, you have all... you back. What nights are you on? Saturday or Sunday, or uh, just uh, for right now? Saturday nights, same time. Yeah. Okay, I'll be listening. Lenny, you also have not lost your fastball, by the way. I try not to. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the call. Talk to you next week. All right, be well. Okay, you too. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. Um, and I thought as, as he was talking, I wrote another note down to myself and I thought of this, um, Lindor, love him, right? Everybody loves Lindor, right? He's not a free agent. It's going to be by via trade. Here's my thought. Call me crazy, right? But here's my thought. My thought is this, Brody Van Wagenen, okay, the good, 
the bed of Brody Wagon and Brody Van Wagen and we will do, right? I think he's all but out as the Mets GM under Steve Cohen. Or with maybe Sandy Alderson's oversight, will he remain in that position? What do you say? I also got a tweet again on um, on Twitter, by the way, is asking if Luis Rojas is going to be safe. Anyway, by the way, I wanted to correct myself too. The account is at Asterix Tor. I can't say that word, but at Asterix Tor. And then when you look at their Twitter profile, it says Astro Shane Tor, by the way. So that's one of my favorite accounts. You guys go and follow them. One of my favorite accounts. But anyway, if Brody Van Wagenen is all but out, right, which I think he is, what do you think of Mr. Chernoff, the GM of the Indians, trading Lindor to the Mets and then coming to be the, uh, the Mets GM? I think that's a total conspiracy theory. Maybe we want to explore that. 877-337-6666 is the phone number to get aboard. I'm Danielle McCartan with you until 6 a.m. here on The Fan. Make sure you're listening to the beginning of the final week of Beningo and Roberts here on The Fan. Join us tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We react to Jets Chiefs plus the rest of the weekend in the NFL, and we will get you all ready for Giants Buccaneers. Carl Banks will join us, and Stevie Cohen has arrived. It's Beningo and Roberts on The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFN and WFN FM, New York. Hey. I don't know if I can say this on the air, the lyrics to this song, but the the Mets are going to be doing a lot of that <laughs> in the free agency coming up this season. Hey, uh, uh, this song just makes me think of, like, the beach. It's so cold. Let me check my, my watch here. It says it's 35 degrees here in New York. It is just so cold. There was frost on my windshield this morning when I left. Oh, But anyway, uh, Mets fans, real critical of Birdie Van Wagenen during his tenure here. Um, he sold the farm. He brought in Cano. He brought in Edwin Diaz. And the biggest thing for me is not any of that, to be honest with you. The biggest thing for me is that he hired Carlos Beltran, for crying out loud. The guy hired Carlos Beltran and then had to fire him, but you know how that goes. But one has to think that with, with a little bit more cash flow, you'd have to think that that he, he would have been able to re-sign Zach Wheeler. And don't forget that he made Jacob deGrom essentially a Met for life on a contract that was really a real hometown familiarity factor contract. Um, But unfortunately for him, I think Brody Van Wagen is going to be all but wiped. Um, And then we're talking uh, on Twitter, at Coach MCCARTAN, with Dave at Gangreen780. He's asking me about Luis Rojas. I think he stays just for the continuity factor. Um, But but Dave says, he says, I just feel that if it wasn't working, why bring him back? He also, he made a lot of very questionable moves during the season. I feel like we need someone who is more established and doesn't make panic moves like Rojas seemed to do at all times. Listen, the guy was managing an MLB club for the first time in the middle of a, pan, a global pandemic. I think he's safe for at least one more season. He seems popular in the clubhouse among the players. It seems so long ago, though. Remember, I just mentioned Carlos Beltran. Beltran was fired mid-January. Rojas, the first-time MLB manager, was hired on January 23rd. So when you look at the timeline, he was hired just 20 days removed from Mets pitchers and catchers. 20 days. Days. He was hired just 25 days removed from the the Mets' first full-squad workout. So I just think that keeping him brings continuity for the team, for the new ownership, 
for a new front office, most likely. And I think continuity is important, especially inside the clubhouse. But then again, if I'm a general manager manager coming into this situation in a passionate, sometimes tumultuous, we've seen New York City market, I might want to bring my guy with me or my girl that might be too. And I might want to bring someone in that's that, so I have basically like no excuses as to why the product that I put on the field might not meet expectations. So I guess this just all goes back to accountability, right? 877-337-6666. Herman in Stanford, Connecticut. You're on the fan. Yeah, hi. How are you? Uh, I agree with what you said about DeGrom. I have a, a couple of things. First of all, if the Mets want to really show their fans, they make a trade for Lindor in term, for Syndergaard, and they take Lindor and they package him with some very good, you know, players that are either good for bench or regular, like the first baseman that they're trying to play oh, in the sorry, outfield. In first. Oh, Dom Smith. Yeah. Dom Smith. Yeah. And they they try to get uh, the guy on the Angels. And Mike in Trout? that trade, I would... Uh, well, here's, here's what I would say. The Mets became total morons when they let Brantley go through free agency. He's a marvelous player. He should have been signed. Mm. If they could get him now and and get Lindor for the Syndergaard, they might be able to work a trade for Trout. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me and, let me follow this. One, slower, one more time. What are you doing? What's the move? I'm saying that they should get they should trade Syndergaard for Lindor. Straight up. The shortstop they have now, they need bench help anyway. With Lindor and signing Brantley as a free agent, they might be able with with a guy like Lugo to pry Trout out of L.A. They're not going anywhere with him anyway. Right. That would turn the Mets into a, a totally different team. And what you said about Van Wagen, the one thing that no one mentioned about him is this guy, an excuse for a general manager, signed his own player, Lowry. Yes when the guy on the Yankees was available the same day. And Cano, la- la- his own guy. I, I don't mean Cano. Who was the, the guy that the Yankees are trying to sign now? LeMahieu. That had, p- pardon me? DJ LeMahieu? Yeah, they yeah. could have had him. They could have had him. And they, they passed. Pick, yeah, they picked Lowry and, instead. Yeah, and yeah. What, what I'm saying about the Mets is that they always come up at the rear with the junk instead of, stepping in and getting the prime stuff. Well, no more. And that's what's going to end now. Yep. But, I mean, I don't know what you think, but Brantley is, I think, a great player. I don't know how he's slipped through the cracks so easily. I mean, he he would, and I think California wouldn't reject that so quickly. They would be getting some great players in depth for a guy that they're not going anywhere with. And, you know, Trout with the Mets, I mean, forget it. Yeah, you know, Herman, you're making a lot of sense here. I I really have to look at that and really, really examine that. But I'm not going to press the no button right away. I think think you really thought this through. Yeah, I have. And the other thing I think is that the Mets also, when this Van Wagen took over, you notice that the Yankees signed the guy from Baltimore, the reliever that they just re-signed now. Zach Zach Britton, love him. The Mets didn't go near that guy. Yeah, I love There were him. other pitchers, the, the Kansas City relievers, that took them to the World Series. The Mets just 
rejected them out of hand. Mm -hmm. This is why the franchise is in trouble. This Van Wagen, you're not going to tell me this guy has a chance of staying with the team, are you? No, I am not. I think he's gone, for sure. Well, thank goodness for that. (laughs) I mean, he's a total phony. Let's face it. He's an agent. He's a a slick-talking agent. Right, right, exactly. In, In GM's clothing, right? But what you said about the Grom, I think that would be one of the most marvelous things a franchise could do for a guy. Right. Really. I mean, I think he's so underpaid, and I think, I mean, they can't even score runs for him. Get him a win. You might as well pay him like like a Garrett Cole that he that he is, you know? Yeah. Look at the difference. He, the Grom is making, what, $25 million a year? Uh, something around there. I can look it up for you. And what, is, and what does the guy in the Yankees make? It's up 30-something a year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a no-brainer. I mean, DeGrom, and then this guy in the Yankees, <laughs> I brought this up to one of your hosts the other night in the final game. He's making $300 million a year in the World Series. He leaves the game in the sixth inning, a $300 million a year pitcher. Yeah, I don't like he that. He threw 93 pitches. It's not his decision. Let's Let's be clear. It's not his decision, however... I don't like this whole thing. I agree with you. Let him. Let him. <laughs> but, but Danielle, let me ask you something. You think if Warren Spahn were pitching there, he'd let himself be taken out of the game? I know. I know. It's just, you know, James Paxton showed a little of that, too. When they took James Paxton out, he did show a little of that. And it is what it is. It's you, What are you going to do? Just stand there and have a standoff with the manager until what happens? I don't know. I just it, it, this is one of the changes in the game. I mean, I cannot picture Sandy Koufax yeah, I know. being taken out of a game in the sixth inning of the World Series. Yeah, I know. You know, but anyway, I mean, I like what you said about the Grom. That would the fans would go crazy for that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Totally. That thanks, would. Thanks for the call, there, Harmon. Always good. Yeah. And well thought out program there. Uh, a plan. Yeah. For thank Mike you. Trout. And uh, just so we're clear here, um, the average. Let's just see. Average per year on Garrett Cole is exactly $36 million throughout the life of his contract each year. And let's look at Jacob DeGrom. Let's get the number right. Uh, he made an adjusted salary or payroll salary, let's just go with, because that's what I did with uh, what's his name. Um, payroll salary for this year actually was bumped. He actually made $36 million this year. He made 25 last year. Um, and then next year, 36. This is Jacob DeGrom. So let's let me get that more straight. Last year, Degrom made twenty-five five. This year, he made thirty-six million. Next year's thirty-six million, and then twenty twenty-three, he's got a player option at thirty point five million dollars. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd almost give him sort of some sort of like retro pay, retro bonus there, something like that. I don't know. They could work it in if they really wanted to. Tom in Bergenfield, that's my neck of the woods. Tom, what's up? Hey, Danielle. Uh, good to speak with you. I'm just curious. Uh, what, you, what do you think about Andy Reid? I'm surprised he's like even like. Uh, do you foresee him taking uh, Mahomes out of the game like second half? Yeah, of the game, you know, really? I, that thought actually, as I was driving in tonight, I did think about that, and I was thinking about like the what do I say to the fantasy owners that own Patrick Mahomes? I, I think the game is going to be over in all reality by halftime, but I, I would venture to guess by the end of the first quarter. Uh, yeah, I, I, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm protecting my investment. I'm protecting my, yeah, my Super Bowl, yeah. and I'm taking him out. Yeah, I was, I was figuring, I was figuring on that. I said, I don't think that it'd be that stupid to have him get hurt. Yeah, like no way. Some stupid. No chance. Can I make one more point about the Yankees? Yankees. Yeah, what's I was up? surprised when I heard about Gardner. He uh, they didn't re-up him. I think it's time. I, you know what? I'm okay with that. But you know, it's not that they. 
So what happened was they, they declined his option, right? So they, they owed him $10 million. They actually gave him the buyout of what was it, $2.5 million. So they could re-sign him at like a cheaper price, you know, maybe $3 million. So instead of paying yeah. ten, I mean, I just I just think the time time has passed for him. I think the Yankees no, I, are— No, I, 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 I agree with you on that point. But I'm just saying, well, Frazier, like he'll probably take it over. Yes. But he's prone to get hurt. And God is like a good villain. You know, that's, I mean, to hang off for another year. I was, uh, I was assuming that they would hang on to him for one more year. I know. What about Mike Talkman, though? Chill, chill, you got a point. Know, right? I mean, he's younger. I know he doesn't. I mean, Brett Gardner isn't really a threat to steal bases anymore either, and I know Talkman doesn't really do that. But I, I don't know. I just think, I mean, he's a good defensive uh, fielder. That's what Brett Gardner would be th- for the defense. No, no, exactly. But at least they got DJ Goldberg. That's that's a bonus there. Well, not yet. They don't have him just yet. Maybe five. No, I know, I know. But, <laughs> but, but they would they would be silly if they didn't sign him. They, I, that would be a silly move, right? But if you're DJ Lemayhu, wouldn't you want to go at least test the water, see what you can get anywhere else? Wouldn't you? I got, no, I think he comes across as a guy. He's like a, like a, like a homebody. He's happy where he is. He comes across that way to me. Well, look what look what happened to Jacob Degrom with, with that mentality. Yeah, sure. No, I no, I have to what you're saying, but you yeah. know, I, I don't know. I guess we're gonna have to wait and see what the hell he does. So. I know, I know. He, well, I mean, it all it all seems amicable. It all seems like he's gonna come back until maybe he doesn't. I don't know. I don't know. I hope I hope he does. I mean, he, he's like uh, one of the reasons. Like, oh, I love to watch the Yankees. Me to too. Get, yeah. Guess so, what? Yeah, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, Tom Bergenfield. That's my neck of the woods, Bergen County. All right, right Abby. Maybe maybe I'll run into you someday in Lidos or some up this way. What's that? Lido's, that supermarket. Lido's? Oh, I don't know where that is. It's on, on, on New Bridge Road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The market. The the, the yeah, farmer's market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it. I just, I guess I never knew the name of it. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. Yep. All right, honey. All right, Tom. Now. Thanks for the call. Um, oh, I just had something to say, and then he, he totally sidetracked me with the, the, the market call thing there. Yes, I know where that is. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, DJ LeMayu, I think we were, I was about to make a point about. Oh, God. Well, DJ LeMayu, I mean, nice guys finish last, I think, in, in a, a lot of times in this business. And I think that Jacob DeGrom was that nice guy and look where it got him. I mean, let's, I mean, we're in a pandemic. I understand. And people are hurting and I understand that. And everybody, yeah. But he took the hometown discount and he should be making a ton more money, right? Um, but Brett Gardner... I think it's time. I, I just, just, you know, he's he's the last one and the only one left on that roster from the 2009 championship. It's time. I mean, Clint Frazier plays a really good outfield, swings a really good bat, and he's a gold glove candidate for crying out loud. I mean, his development is what's going to force Gardner to take a hike. For me, it's Frazier over Gardner every day of the week, twice on Sunday. And you cannot keep cutting into this kid's playing time, his, 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 his development time, to keep bringing Grandpa Gardner back. It was a great run. He was a good Yankee. Enough is enough for him. We talked a little bit earlier about uh, the Yankees picking up the two-year option on Zach Britton, the lefty reliever. Oh, man. I I love Zach Britton as a pitcher. I know he hasn't been too consistent. However, I'd love to see him paired up with a defense-first catcher. I mean, we saw glimpses of that in this postseason. It's just... When you go out onto the mound and you have the confidence factor to be able to live in the bottom of the strike zone where you make your money, right? And then th- he doesn't do it with, with Gary Sanchez behind the plate. He doesn't. 
if I'm a pitcher who who I throw a sinker, most of my pitches is a sinker. Or majority of them is right. I live in the bottom of the zone. Else, otherwise, I do not feel comfortable with Gary Sanchez as my catcher. He's not a defensive catcher. And what are the Yankees going to do with him? What are the Yankees? Gonna, I mean, also too, one more thing about Britain. He he gives you a little bit of versatility in in the in the in the early innings in relief. And when Chapman had COVID, he was also closing for the team. So he gives you a little bit of versatility as well. So I, I love the signing. But man, oh man, Gary Sanchez, what are they going to do with him and his 100-whatever batting average? I don't know. Honestly, I, the Yankees, they cannot be in play for JT Real Muto, right, at that asking price. And, and Steinbrenner's want to stay under the salary cap. So what do you do with Sanchez? He's a he, he's attractive because he's got one more year of arbitration left, but he's also not attractive because he's coming off an atrocious season at the plate and and a bad one behind it. So I think you keep obviously Higashioka, but when you look at other options around the league, there really really aren't any. McCann maybe I thought Zunino from from Tampa Bay would be a great fit since he just came available, but then I looked again. I always look at the playoff uh, numbers. His playoff batting average, guess what it is, Zunino. Career, 170. And 0.63 in the World Series this year. Sanchez can do that. But Zunino is better defensively. But if the priority is to sign DJ and stay under that luxury tax, which they, they are, for comparables, Zunino made $4.5 million last year. Sanchez made close to six and is going to earn more after arbitration this year. So is that a huge deal in the long scheme of things? Probably not. I know you hate to hear it, Yankees fans, but I do think that Gary Sanchez is the best option moving forward. I know. I know. I mean, maybe he tries to prove himself next season and the Yankees can ship him off at the trade deadline. I think that would be the best case scenario for both parties. At least they get something for him. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight. We, I guess we're in McCartan in the morning territory at this point. It's 4.04 on, uh, what's today? November 1st, week 8 of the NFL season. We've been doing a lot of baseball talk tonight. And, of course, Mets fans are excited. Yankees fans, I think, are excited. I'm trying to gauge it. Uh, I think a little bit more. I think the word is, what is the word? Trepidatious is the word. About what the future of the Yankees is going to be. 5.01 p.m. tonight, or later today, I guess, uh, Sunday, is when free agents can be signing, when the free agent period opens. So be by your Twitter feeds for some breaking news, possibly at that point in time. And uh, a little bit later in the hour, we're going to have TJ Reeves, because this is football Sunday, everybody. I know it's not so exciting when the Jets are playing against the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, who are favored to win the Super Bowl. This season, again, to repeat. And uh, when the, the, the Giants travel, uh, I mean, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers travel to MetLife Stadium to take on Giants, the Giants in prime time. 
And Tom Brady is really hitting his stride and seems to be the Tom Brady of old. So I know football might not be so exciting, but we're going to look at it. And TJ Reeves, maybe he'll give you some hope, Giants fans. We'll see. And uh, But as far as the Mets, we're doing a lot of Mets tonight. I mean, here's the thing. We can talk about bets and, and stuff and, and, you know, like money, not Mookie bets, but, but Kevin Cash absolutely mushed the World Series this year for Tampa Bay. He took out Blake Snell. And he and his team of nerds were the only ones who thought that was going to be a good idea. And we can hope that open up that analytics and gut debate tonight. Let's do it. If you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. The analytics debate. We had a caller before. He was saying, um, oh, God, who was it? Herman, I think it was. He was saying about bringing in the, the starter and the closer and the let the main pitcher go to the I – mean, I hate the idea. I don't like the idea. And I'm open to a lot of different ideas. Um, keeping the DH and the DNL, finally, right? I'm open to that. I'm also, I don't hate the runner on second base rule in extra innings. I'll be honest with you. Um, but it wouldn't kill me if they got it, they got rid of it. But I, I don't mind it. I really don't. So we can open up that analytics and gut debate tonight. 877-337-6666. But the point I'm trying to make is this. I told you guys, told you guys last week, and I told you guys a little bit before last Halloween, I placed that five dollar bet on Tampa, on Tampa Bay to win the World Series. Plus three thousand odds that was, by the way. This Halloween, I placed my bet for the twenty twenty one World Series. I'll fill you in. Kevin Cash caused me to lose my five dollars. Right, Blake Snell was dealing, throwing seventy three pitches that night. I will not forgive Kevin Cash for that, but I've placed my new bet. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I looked at the odds. The Dodgers are the favorites from the NL. Plus 400, by the way. To win the World Series, that is. And the Yankees are still the runaway favorites from the AL. They're at plus 600. I picked a team that has and it almost worked for me last year. I picked a team that has plus 2,500 odds. Before free agency opens, I needed to make sure I got this in. Because I placed, this is uncharacteristic for me, I placed a $20 bet to win a payout of 520 including my stake, on drumroll, the New York Mets. To win the 2021 World Series. I just think that when you look at the Mets roster, they are so win now. They're about to join the 21st century with the scouting department, analytics department. They have an owner that can afford everybody, anybody and everybody that they want. They got Sandy Alderson that's going to be overseeing many, many things over there. He knows what he's doing. And I think Brody Van Wagen is going to be out. They bring somebody else in. I I, I just, I have a good feeling about the Mets. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a good feeling about the Mets. I'm not crying. <laughs> I'm really not. I just got this tickle in my throat. 
So for the for the Yankees now, I just feel like again they're going to be the team that gets close and doesn't make it again, unless of course they. I think I heard uh, Chris McMonagle on the way in trying to figure out what exactly it is with the Yankees that 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 to put your finger on it. What's the problem? And he couldn't do it, and it's hard. And I think that philosophically, the entire philosophy of the Yankees is is not is, is a miss. I should say. We talked about it. I think Cashman knows it. This feast or famine approach to the plate. It's just not sustainable. So to go out in free agency, man, I'm struggling here. So to go out in free agency and get who and stay under the luxury tax. I don't know. It's LeMahieu and and then what? Can you stay under the luxury tax? I don't know. And who, by the way, for the Yankees is the number two starter? I don't think you can roll into 2021 with Tanaka as your number two. You got to look elsewhere. Is it Charlie Morton? So the Rays GM said that the decision to decline Morton was based on his $15 million salary. But they plan to be creative and would like to work something out if Morton wants to come back. This obviously tells me that the asking price is going to be $15 million or more. Is he a true number two? The Rays certainly didn't think so. He was behind Snell and Glass now in, in their rotation. So do you bring back Tanaka? He's not a number two anymore. I'm sure you've seen the photo of him and his wife out there to dinner with Garrett Cole and his wife. That's promising. What do you think, Nick? You think uh, Yankee, you think the Yankees go out and get Charlie Morton? Uh, I mean, they could definitely use him, but uh, I would hope so, but I'm not 100% sure that they would do that. I'm with you. I think Tanaka, though. I think Tanaka would come back. Yeah, I would definitely rather have Charlie Morton over Tanaka, but yeah, we'll see what happens. But if the price is right, I mean, the Yankees are playing. It's, it's so crazy to see that the Yankees are playing this money game now. Yeah, and now we got to compete with the Mets because, you know, apparently now they definitely have more money than the Yankees. And me as a Yankee fan, I'm not used to being, you know, a little brother compared to the Mets. So. No, and that's such a— And f- now they'll be arguing—I mean, not arguing, but they'll be fighting over some of the top, um, you know, free agents. And it's just not something you're used to as a Yankee fan. You're like, you know, the Mets are going to struggle and you know, be penny-pinching, but that's not how it is anymore. I know. So It's such a mentality shift strange. for a Yankee fan. Yep. I know. So that's why I say, just as the caller at the beginning of the show said, screw the salary cap. I mean, screw the luxury tax. Go for it. Blow it up and go for it. And then rebuild it. Yeah, I think there's some pressure on the Yankees to, you know, not be, like, looked down upon to the Mets. Of course. Of course. 
Yep. The and maybe we'll have a Subway Series this year. That's something to look forward to. And you know, it's definitely going to be more interesting in New York baseball this year. Thank God. I mean, how many? I mean, the Yankees have been good, but I mean, like I said before, I tweeted the picture of me and my dog wearing our. I, I was wearing a Mets shirt. She was wearing a Yankee jersey, and I was like, our, our Halloween costume was ready for baseball season because this football season has been atrocious. Terrible. I think, I do think Tanaka ends up coming back. I think uh, him going out to dinner with the Coles was promising. I think also the fact that I looked at his his seven year contract that just finished one hundred fifty five million. There was a full no trade clause, and he actually declined the option to leave in two thousand seventeen. To me, that shows loyalty. Yeah, I definitely think it will be back, but at the right price. They're not going to you know break break the bank for him. By any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I'm with you. So I think, I mean, everything's amicable. Brian Cashman likes him. He hasn't said that he wants to leave. I think you keep him as in your number three. Price. Let's play. I I say two years, 12 million total. Because last season he made eight eight and a half. Yeah, I'd rather have him like as a number four. Because... I want a much stronger rotation because well, you got to stay under like the luxury year, tax. Yeah, well, like you said, who cares about the lu- right. luxury tax? Well, right, <laughs> tax this year. Right, so they could afford it. It's time to you know start spending like they used to. And and don't be surprised that if they do do that, they might put some fannies in the stands to, to recoup some of that money from the COVID loss. You think? I would go. Yeah, definitely. I would go. I, I see all these at uh, the college games when the people are sitting like on their little seats. Like, you know, I think college games, the one I was watching today, I think it was a Clemson game. They were a little close for my liking. But when you look at Kansas City, they're going to have some fans. 22% capacity. I did the uh, the math there. You think um, baseball is going to have fans in the stands for a regular season? It worked in the, in the postseason. I mean, it, it worked. Um, the problem, I, I had a problem with that, actually. Not the fact that there were fans there, but I had a problem with the fact that they all seem to be Dodgers fans. And I know the Rays are used to playing in front of, like, the away crowd, even if they're home, but, like, it felt like it was a seven-game Dodgers home series. Yeah, I know what you mean. But it, it was just nice to see actual people instead of, you know, cardboard cutouts that we are getting used to for quite some time. I know, and they were there, too. But, and I'm, I'm sick and tired of the, the sound of the fake sound. of the, I can't hear the announcers. Sometimes that's a good thing. I know. Sometimes it is a good thing. Although I love my favorite parent, my favorite announcer, Tony Romo. I love him, hands down. I know it's football, but well, he better be good. He's getting paid in like what is it, uh, twenty million <laughs> or plus a year, right? I don't even know. It's crazy how much they're paying him. But he does a good job. I feel like I like announcers that like when I'm part of. I feel like I'm one part of the broadcast, and like two, I feel like I'm learning something. I love those kind of broadcasters, and he's that. Yep, I know what you mean. There's not that many that you would like to be around, like those type of announcers, but when there is, you definitely appreciate those kind of announcers. You think of like, I never really appreciated Joe Buck. I think people don't appreciate Joe Buck. But when you looked at that guy's schedule, coming down the stretch there in, in the last couple of days, I mean, the guy was working 10 out of 11 days, all different games, traveling all over the country. I mean that that's that was incredible what he did. And I think Joe Buck sometimes catches a lot of slack, but you know what? Guy's good at his job. When I hear Joe Buck's voice, I, I think of like 
playoff baseball. That's what I think. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dave on Twitter is asking about Real Muto. What do we do? Well, maybe I might leave you hanging after the break here. Let's go to Tom in North Brunswick. You're on the fan. Tom. Hello? Hi, Tom. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I was uh, checking my volume on the phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it's been a while since I uh, I just kind of woke up. and it's, First of all, I thought it was 5 o'clock. And I it's know, 4 yeah. o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I heard you. I hope you're, you're going to be on reg- on Saturday a lot. Yeah, every weekend from now on. Oh, good. So how have you been doing? Oh, I'm good. This, I'm uh, good. How are you? Horrible thing that's going on. I, I can't wait till it's... Uh, you know, if there's a vaccine or something. I know. Well, we're, we're waiting. What's your Mets point? Yeah. Uh, well, you know what, uh, Danielle, I'm a humble Mets fan, and uh, it's, it's going to be, a, you know, uh, when a Mets fan says about the Yankees, but the Yankees have been an outst- uh, a, tr- a super tremendous team for a long, long time. So there's no comparison. But uh, the Mets, I think, are on their way up. Mm-hmm. And, um you know what's nice now is to know that it, in the during free agency, we won't be on the outside looking in. I'm, we're not going to get everybody, but now there's a big free agent out there. Now the Mets are our players. They're going to yeah. be like a big market team, and, yeah. that, and that's a good thing. I agree. You know, that's a good. It's good um, for New York. Yeah, and you know what? I for people, I, I please, I do not want them to trade Dominic Dom Smith. I tell you it. You know, I know it was a short season, but he had 40 42 RBIs, I think, and he didn't even play all the 60 games. I know, but where's he, he going to play in the field? In every game. I know, unless there's a DH, I don't see a, a spot in the field for him. I know. Well, that's how hopefully you hear anything. Are they going to? I hope they are. Are they going to keep the DH in the National League? They don't even know yet. Tom, we're up against the break a little bit. I hate to do this to you. Okay, uh, thank you. Sorry have a about good day. that. Um, sorry about that, Tom. Um, but are they keeping the DH? We don't know. Up next after the break, we're going to do T.J. Reeves, uh, Tampa Bay Bucks reporter. New York's fan, Sports Radio 101.9 FM. The fan, WFAN, New York. Get out with LPP. Yeah, you know me. Get out with LPP. Yeah, you know me. Get out with LPP. Yeah, you know me. Welcome back, everybody, to McCartan After Midnight, another very special guest for you guys, Tampa Bay Buccaneers sideline reporter for the Bucks Radio Network, TJ Reeves, but even more importantly, a great friend of the show. Welcome back to McCartan After Midnight, TJ. Uh, yes, it is always good to be with you, especially when we got Giants and Buccaneers coming up. I believe, in fact, I know it all began for Daniel Jones with a fourth quarter comeback in Tampa Broke my Buccaneers heart, Buccaneer fans' hearts. I know New York Giant fans were excited. Uh, and, the, and the rookie kicker a year ago, Matt Gay, missed that field goal, and it was kind of like a bad omen. It was almost the beginning of the end for him, and he's now not even here after what happened in that game a year ago. But it's great to be with you in this crazy 2020 year as we get ready for this again, Giants and Bucks on Monday night, Daniel. Yeah, Monday Night Football. You know, it's the Giants in prime time, and this has all the makings of a bloodbath, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Some storylines first. I guess, I mean, the main storyline I guess people are most interested in is former Giant Jason Pierre-Paul's comments. And for the listener, who, in case, might have missed it, he said, this is Jason Pierre-Paul, Eli's not there no more, so I won't have to pick him up and say, Eli, man, you good? I'm coming for their next man. They know that. I'm going to Monday Night Football and going to destroy the Giants. 
TJ, what is he so mad about? I don't know that it's mad. I think he just kind of likes poking the team that kind of gave up on him and trending them away to the Buccaneers and didn't want to pay him after they gave him the huge deal that they gave him. Uh, I still remember the game a couple of years ago, his first year, when he had been talking that whole week about sacking Eli. And I, I was down, obviously, on the sideline at, at MetLife and saw him finally get to Eli and get the sack in what was a close game like in the second half. And he was on the ground. I'm sure the highlights being replayed this weekend and will be Monday night. He's on the ground, like banging the ground, and then he's pumping his fist and pointing in the sky. And I'm like, this is a regular season game, but it was a big deal to him to sack Eli Manning. So like he mentioned, um, Eli's not there anymore. In fact, Eli went to the bench for the Buccaneer game a year ago. So it, it is going to be a little bit different. I just think uh, he still has the Southern phrase as a burr in the saddle. He's, he's still got something about New York giving up on him and being willing to trade him away to anybody, uh, much less the Buccaneers. And now a return to MetLife Stadium, of course. Yeah, and so that makes it – I mean, he won a Super Bowl there. And I keep saying to people that are, that are in and around uh, the Bucs and in and around you know, being fans of the team, you cannot trade that kind of experience uh, for anything, uh, especially if you're trying to win at the highest level and in the playoffs, to have players that have been there before and won it before. You're going to listen to JPP on how to get it done and how to take care of your body over the course of a season – and still have something left in December and January. And he has been a tremendous leader for his two-plus years here uh, with a lot of the younger players, So, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So we got nothing but good to say, Miss uh, Miss McCartan, after midnight about JPP down in Tampa Bay. You know, TJ, though, I was thinking as I'm sitting here typing up that question, I'm like, you know what? I think that like a comment like that might want to make the referees more keen on reaching for the flag maybe unnecessary roughness on the quarterback. I mean, does it in reality? <laughs> I don't know if it does. I do know this. Uh, they have they have swallowed the whistle. That's the basketball term. They have stashed the flag. They're not flagging nearly as much right now, at least to this point, first half of the season. Uh, there have been things here and there, roughing the passer. Holding is like being occasionally called, just to keep people honest. Uh, it, it's, it's fascinating. Let them play, let them play in 2020 seems to be some of that. Uh, I don't know that the referees, the officials going into this game are going to pay any more attention than normal to what JPP might try to do, uh, hitting a quarterback as he's throwing or after he's thrown it, but we'll see. Let him play. I love that. So there's also the storyline of the familiarity factor between Joe judge and Tom Brady from their time in new England. That's been played out already, but considering that element, who has the bigger advantage? Would you say Coach Judge or Player Brady? Oh, I think Tom Brady. Um, I mean, Judge is just trying to figure it all out as a head coach, and he got his first win uh, over the Washington football team. We do have to get used to saying it that way. Uh, and, and Tom Brady's obviously got six rings, and you know, you, you hate to stoop to this, but it almost is like if you and I were, were coaching that we would have some level of success with that guy at quarterback. Uh, because he, he just he means that much, obviously, to the success of your offense. Look at the Patriots right now without him. Uh, and, and he was being able almost with smoke and mirrors to make it happen uh, with New England lacking talent at the skill positions, et cetera. Now he's got the exact opposite, Daniel. He's got a wealth of skill players. So I would go with Brady um, as that guy 
that it's just made such a difference right now for Tampa Bay, especially the last couple of weeks. He is playing at a Super Bowl level. This is regular season. This is not the playoffs. You've got a long way to go, but he is looking like the as-advertised surefire Hall of Famer that the Bucs thought he would be. And we're talking with TJ Reeves from Bucks Radio Network here about Tom Brady. Huh, Tom Brady again on our air here, but the beginning of the season ta- saw Tom Brady struggle a little bit. And besides, obviously, allotting time for adjustments, obviously, um, what else has he done to get back on track? I think the biggest thing is the familiarity with all the personnel that didn't happen in the offseason, didn't happen with preseason games. So this this was a struggle for him. And, I, you know, it's it's obviously been different. For a lot of quarterbacks having to get used to it, Phillip Rivers to new personnel in Indianapolis over the course of the regular season. Teddy Bridgewater comes to a whole new setting in Carolina with a new first-year head coach in the NFL, first-year coaching staff. So for the quarterbacks that swap teams, it takes a while to start to get acclimated to receivers and where they're going to be. It's not a surprise right now that he's finding Rob Gronkowski a little more because he knows in the mesh of Mike Evans and when he's healthy, Chris Godwin, uh, and where they're running routes, okay, I know now where they're going to be. Now where is Gronk also in relation to them? And you start to see that the ball is there when those guys are there uh, and open. And and Gronkowski's been a much bigger factor. So I think the natural curve, even for a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, we saw that the first couple of games. Uh, he He was not what we thought. But then again, it's a 16-game season, and I kept saying all along, and here we are, get back to me in mid-October, get back to me in late October, how does he look? And he looks like the Brady that we uh, that we have all seen at the highest level in New England. And, well, maybe not in New York with the two Super Bowl losses, but... <laughs> True. Um, I, you know, and here's another storyline, and I've already gotten calls about this already on my air, it was Antonio Brown. And, yeah. you know, I... <laughs> First of all, I guess, have you got to talk to him, and is he remorseful and in it for the long run? Okay, so first of all, we have not had any access to him, and again, it's it's different. It's odd. You've been describing this to the audience. We don't have one quarter of the access anymore to players during the week. You don't get to cozy up to him in a locker room setting. You don't get to talk to him coming off a practice field for a few minutes. You don't get to have time basically away. It's just different in 2020. So he is not officially – Uh, back in the fold. He is in the fold. He is signed, but he can't practice with the team. There's been no media availability this past week. He can begin full-scale practice now after this game, after the Buccaneers' eighth game, and then we will begin to have access. And and at that point, it's probably going to be a one-time thing with all of the media, and, and I'm sure that Buccaneers PR will say this, Get your questions out of your system about the past and the problems and the suspension and the charges and all of the stuff, because this is the one time that he's going to address it however he wants to address it, and then after that, it's going to be X's and O's for however long it lasts. So, yes, there is a lot of controversy for this move, but you you already see the Bucks have been banged up at receiver, Danielle, throughout the first part of this season. Part of this motivation is depth. Part of this motivation is helping yourself with quality depth if guys are gone. And, and Tom Brady definitely vouched for Antonio Brown and having brought him into New England, even though it was one game, one game at the beginning of last year, Brady is definitely an advocate for him. And he definitely wanted him to, to, to live in his house as well. But, I mean, let's be honest, the, the, op- <laughs> the optics are not good with this, TJ. And right. I think people are very enraged with this. So, 
I know you talked about depth, but is that the only reason why they, they brought a guy like him back? I think he adds the speed dimension when we're just talking about football. He adds the speed dimension to open everything up, and they've been looking for that. Now, the Bucks do have a speedy uh, little receiver in Scotty Miller, number 10, who you will see, Giants fans. He's the guy that burned the Raiders for the long touchdown back in, at, the, at the end of the first half last Sunday in Las Vegas. He can get deep, but even, even he, he's not as fast as Antonio Brown. So from a football standpoint, that, that is a big reason why they wanted this, the speed and the ability to stretch uh, the defense. I understand the criticism. I identify. You know this, Danielle. I am a father, and I have 12-year-old daughters. I think anybody that has daughters, uh, that has um, anybody in their life that they're concerned about that's a, that's a female – sees this different stuff and the allegations and the problems with Antonio Brown and you shake your head. But then again, the NFL has suspended him for what he's done. He's paid an eight game penalty and is now eligible to come back. And so it was a race, honestly, between the Bucks, the Saints and the Seahawks for who was going to grab him. And I'm not so sure that part of this was not if we don't grab him, New Orleans is going to have him and there's a big game next weekend in Tampa. Saints and Buccaneers, and we don't want him in Saints black and gold against us. That was also a consideration in this, Danielle. Interesting. Okay, so TJ, it's Halloween weekend. Let's talk Giants-Patriots here. It's Halloween weekend. So what about this Giants team, I mean, if anything, scares the Buccaneers heading into this week? Uh, like trick-or-treat. Daniel Jones's mobility is something that's going to be a concern. Now, for the Bucks, they've got two outstanding linebackers, the second-year player, the former number one pick, Devin White, really coming into his own and probably the best linebacker that nobody's talked about for the better part of eight or nine years because the Buccaneers haven't won and haven't been in the playoffs. Levante David. These two guys, David, number 54, and the mirror opposite, number 45, Devin White, roam sideline to sideline in the middle. They are going to be all over Daniel Jones if he looks to run, backs out of the backfield, that kind of stuff. But Jones's mobility, I think, could really create some problems for this team if they don't keep him contained. Uh, and, and we saw uh, we saw that even last year, uh, you know, the fourth down play down on the goal line uh, on the quarterback draw, or if it was a broken play, it looked to me like a quarterback draw. Yeah. They lost him. They lost him on the most critical play of the game. You you stop him on fourth and goal, game over, Bucks win. Instead, he gets all the way in the end zone on that play. So I'll, I'll start with that on the trick-or-treat is Daniel Jones and his mobility. Talking with TJ Reeves from the Buccaneers Radio Network here on McCartan After Midnight. Um, I mean, everybody and their mother is predicting a Bucks win. What would you consider maybe a win for the Giants, though, even though it won't occur on the field, you know? In, in terms of the score. I don't go look I don't go into these games and say the Giants can't beat the Bucks. The Giants can absolutely beat the Bucks on Monday night and and one of the recipes this is not a nuclear secret. I'm not I'm not revealing things out of the vault at one buck place. If the Bucks come in there and turn the ball over like what they have done on a couple of occasions this year, they did it week 1 against uh, New Orleans. Uh, they made life difficult with a couple of turnovers against the Carolina Panthers. Um, if they come in with penalties They've been the most penalized team the last year and a half in the NFL up until the last couple of weeks. They've knocked the penalties off the last couple of weeks, and that's a sign of maturity. That's a positive thing. But if they come in there with penalties, Danielle, Monday night, if they come in there turning the ball over, the Giants can absolutely win this game. And, and your WFAN audience may laugh, but look at, look at how competitive the Jets played with the Bills last week at home. And the Jets, I don't think, have, have the 
same talent even that the Giants have, yet that was a game in the second half. The Giants can absolutely play with the Bucs. Um, it's fascinating. that I don't know the last time that I'd have to look. The last time that Tampa Bay was an 11-point road favorite against anybody. So that is serious respect from the sports books from Las Vegas about this game. But uh, you, you cannot go in there and just go through the motions and make mistakes and not think that New York can beat you. The Giants can win this game. And the Giants have been competitive in, in most, if not all, of, of their games as well. So, I mean, could, could this be a trap game for the Buccaneers? Perhaps, because you got the Saints looming next Sunday night, and that's a rematch, grudge match at home. I don't think Brady lets it happen. You already referenced JPP. I don't think he lets it happen. Bruce Arians, the head coach. But there could be some of that mentality that maybe you're not looking as strongly, at, at least at the beginning of this game, at, at the Giants. Let's see how focused they are. I mean, it'll be a really good sign from the Buccaneer point of view, if they come out rolling here and put a couple of touchdowns on the board, then that means they were focused. They were locked in. Right. Now, we're looking at a point spread, like you said, oh, over 10, 11. Depends on where you look. But on national television, can you give the audience just a reason to watch this game? <laughs> Vintage Brady right now at 43 years of age. I mean, I have talked to two or three people nationally this week that have said, holy cow, for that game last week against the Raiders, that looked like Brady of five years ago, eight years ago in New England, slinging it all around the yard. Uh, he has been fun to watch, and and uh, you don't know how many more years you're going to get of this. We hope for the Bucks' sake it's a couple of years, maybe three years. Don't know. Uh, Gronkowski has been fantastic. The, the reason to watch is it's a new setting for these guys. And, and even though they aren't going to come right out and say this, they wanted to demonstrate, Brady and Gronkowski, it wasn't just the system in New England. We still got it, and we can go somewhere else and prove that we still got it. And right now, they're proving we still got it. For what it's worth, in late October, let's see if it continues, Danielle. I'm talking with TJ Reeves from the Bucks Radio Network. And the final question here, while I have you, TJ, let's shift to the big picture here. As of tonight, the Bucks are the favorites to win the NFC Championship. Do they have what it takes to knock off in the Super Bowl, let's say, either the Chiefs or the Ravens or the Steelers? We'll get an idea on the Chiefs coming in about three weeks. They come into Raymond James Stadium uh, with Patrick Mahomes, first time that Mahomes has ever been uh, the starter for Kansas City against the Buccaneers because you only play them every four years. Um, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go ahead and write them in as the NFC champions because you're gonna. You're gonna have Green Bay in the mix. Sorry, uh, WFAN. Forget about the NFC East being a serious contender to be in the Super Bowl. But with Green Bay in the mix and all those teams in the West and the Saints, it is going to be knockdown dragout for the NFC. And then you're right. Steelers and Ravens play each other. Uh, don't forget about the Tennessee Titans, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it will be interesting, but you get a little bit of a preview here with Chiefs Buccaneers coming in a, in a few weeks in Tampa, and most of the country will see that game on CBS with Jim Nance and Tony Romo doing it because it's a run through for CBS for the Super Bowl that will be in Tampa in February. So we're anxious about that. But uh, look, the Giants are priority number one. Take care of business on Monday night, and then start talking about a, a Saints game, a Chiefs game later on. Well, TJ, thanks for your insight in this. And that's you give a little hope to Giants fans, just a little bit, a little glimmer of hope. We'll I'm see. trying, you know, I'm trying on Halloween to give you some candy. It's not a trick here. I'm not uh, I'm not pulling the rug out from under you. I, I've just been at this too long. Danielle, I've been doing this with Buccaneers Radio for going on 20 seasons now. And you see it time and again where teams don't play well 
in, in a setting where they're supposed to win big and it's a game. So I'm just I'm giving you a little optimism, Giants fans. Hang in there for Monday night because if the Bucks don't take take care of business, the Giants can definitely hang in. Well, thanks, TJ, for that treat on this Halloween weekend. I appreciate your time. Great to be with you. Week eight, you got a little inside information from Behind Enemy Lines. More of your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. Hey, what's going on? It's the Moose coming up Monday after Boomer and Geo at 10 a.m. It's Moose and Maggie right here on The Fan reacting to Jets, Chiefs. Can Gang Green play a competitive game? Plus, we'll look ahead to the Giants and the Bucks, And also, Steve Cohen is now the owner of the Mets. What can we expect in the year 2021? Join us at 10 a.m. on Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Radio.com. This is a good song. I'm Daniel McCartan here with you guys on WFAN Radio on this November 1st. We just had a look behind enemy lines here with uh, Tampa Bay Bucks radio announcer TJ Reeves. So thank you again. Thanks to TJ Reeves for joining us. Um, so early in the morning, everybody. Um, now uh, it's it's week eight. We, we had a lot of baseball talk tonight, which is all well and good. Mets have a new owner. Yankees have a lot of questions. Let's just sum it up like that. But I didn't yet get get to give you guys uh, my predictions, my my little nuggets for the for the Giants and Jets games today. So I think I might have mentioned the Jets already. So we'll talk about that. I always do keys to victory and et cetera. So I mean, let's be honest. Are there any real possibilities for the Jets to beat the Chiefs in Week Eight? No. We had one caller before though, Nick. We did have that one guy that did say that the Jets were going to beat the Chiefs. That's that the quarterback. What do you say? The quarterback was going to beat the Chiefs. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Unless uh, the Chiefs just don't show up, or you know, something like that. It, I, I I stopped myself before. I almost said I'll get a Jets tattoo if they beat the Chiefs. But you know what? I won't go that far because my luck they'll they'll freaking win the game. I don't know how, but they might. I think it's pretty safe to say it. I'm not going there. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Now, the next question is, okay, we've decided that they're probably not going to win, but will they cover the 19.5-point spread? I'm going to go with no, probably not on that, too. Um, that's it. But I guess if they were to try to limit the embarrassment, I'd recommend running the ball as much as possible, controlling the clock as much as possible, because, you know, the Chiefs really can't, I mean, they can, but they really can't score as many points when the offense is sitting on the sidelines. The Chiefs' key to victory, do they really need a key to victory? I mean, they have Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, and let's just throw Le'Veon Bell in that mix. So uh, my prediction, Chiefs 45, Jets 10. 45-10. And uh, maybe, probably for me anyway, more important, if the Jets can't win, maybe I can. I put my $3 on Le'Veon Bell to be the t- first touchdown scorer and $2 on Denzel Mims to be an anytime touchdown scorer. I think also, too, like in this COVID world, I mean, I know we can't do it in our area due to Governor Murphy's orders, but would you attend, let's say, an NFL game with limited capacity in the open-air arena that is MetLife Stadium? Why are we not? Because another interesting thread about this this Chiefs-Jets game is that the Chiefs have been allowing fans in in a limited capacity, as you may, may or may not know, into Arrowhead Stadium. So I looked before, the cheapest ticket on the secondary market is $102 to go see the Jets play the Chiefs. So the capacity of Arrowhead is just about 76,000 people. 
they're allowing just under about 17,000. So if my math serves me correctly, it's about a 22% capacity in an open-air stadium. Would you go? I, I would, I'm going to go with yes. I, I, I would go. If it's at 22% capacity, everybody was spaced out and everything, I would go. Because, <clears throat> I mean, especially that stadium, I've been told it presents a huge home field advantage unlike any other stadium in the NFL is what has been told to me. I've never been there, not yet. But I've actually been to Kauffman Stadium, the Royal Stadium, which is right across the parking lot. So um, I've actually stood in the parking lot of Arrowhead, but never been in it. And when I went to Kauffman Stadium, I, I did learn. See, this is this is like something you got to learn when you go there, I think. Or maybe, I don't know. I learned that they're, they're in the original plans of the two stadiums, which are side by side, basically, in the same parking lot, that... There was supposed to be originally a roof that would slide from one stadium to the other, like a retractable roof, but over two stadiums in the original plans. And they had the tracks laid in in the ground and everything, and they just ran out of money for it. So there's a track that goes from, or a tunnel that goes from home plate of Kauffman Stadium to the 50-yard line of Arrowhead Stadium, which I thought was pretty cool. That's just a little fun nugget for tonight. 877-337-6666 is the number. Mike in West Palm Beach, you're on the fan. Oh, that was quick. <laughs> yeah, Mike, what's up? You, you're on the hotline. <laughs> I'm on the hotline. I'm just sipping a coffee down here. I had a nice uh, quick chat with uh, with Nick. Um, uh, Danielle, long-time Mets fan and a Jet fan. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I'm so glad the Wilpons the Will did what they could with what they had, but, you know, exit stage left. Goodbye. Uh, Cohen, you know, some Mets fans think it's going to happen overnight. It's not. But here's a guy who's got seriously, you know, deep, deep pockets. And he's going to make things happen. Um, And what else? Sometimes I make little, you know, notes on yesterday's paper, but I'm just doing it, you know, uh, stream of consciousness now. Okay. Um, uh, But, you know, optimistic. You have to be optimistic. I like the yogiisms, Danielle. You know, um, you know, you come to the fork in the road, you take it. Right. And Yogi said with baseball, <clears throat> you know, baseball is eighty percent pitching. The other half, well, the other half is mental. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I like that the Dodgers uh, won the World Series. I remember telling Dad years ago, my father, rest his soul, passed four years ago, would have been ninety-two. Crazy Brooklyn Dodger fan and, and Mets fan like myself. Mm-hmm. I said, you watch. I said, Dad, this Turner is going to turn into some ball player. He's, he's the mountain man. I call him now yeah, for yeah. the Dodgers. <laughs> you know. And um, a, a real quick thing about Dad, um, he was a, a, a manager and a district manager of 52 years supermarkets. Okay, um, In Rockville Center, when I was a year old, 1955, Duke Snyder came to Dad's store. He knew everybody. Gave him an autographed uh, um, picture of the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers. Now, how cool is that? Yeah, that's you know? pretty cool. And I was at some classic Met games. Um, and uh, what else? Let's shoot to the Jets. I used to watch them for 40 years at Hofstra. Mm-hmm. So the last game at Chase Stadium, <clears throat> 83, when Terry Bradshaw's Steelers were in. Right. Um, but with the Jets... Danielle, my estimation is expect the unexpected. And like I said to Nick, 
You know, the only chance they have to win today is if uh, half, the, half the Chiefs don't show up. <laughs> or, or get COVID, maybe. <laughs> yeah, COVID. And it's like, uh, oh, please. You know, uh, Danielle, I have a daughter. She's 30 years old, married teacher. She played some softball, too. Yeah. Okay? I have a son who's 25 now. He, uh, he went to Cortland. Uh, he was a wide receiver up in Cortland. Good school. Um, you know, generation after generation, um, your kids are going to be what your parents are. You're a Yankee fan, right, Danielle? Yes. If, if push came to shove, if the Yankees were in the World Series <laughs> with the Mets, I, I would root for the Yankees, yes. Okay, yeah. And I feel bad for the Yankee fans um, because, hey, how long do you have to wait? And the question is, here's another one. Um, I don't know. Usually you have revolving chairs with, um, you know, general managers and this and that. I, I don't know. Is Cashman, you think he's going to be a general manager for life with the Yankees? Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think so. I, I think yes. I know. I, I don't know. Yeah, because, um, you know, it's, it's one thing to, to be a GM for such a long time, but after a while, you know, revolving chairs happen. You know, you change, you change positions. Yeah. You get fired and someone gets rehired. But, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, um, to whatever's left of the COVID football season. And I think the Jets, the line is pretty much the same as what it was when I watched uh, the 69 um, Super Bowl. I think it was 18 points, underdogs. But maybe, um, maybe when the Chiefs come out of the tunnel, you know, half the guys will trip and maybe, um, you know, they'll get out of the game. Divine intervention, I guess, this is the only way we're going for a Jets win. <laughs> Danielle, always, always great listening to you. And like I said last week, you got some serious mojo behind the microphone. Oh, thanks, okay? Mike. Appreciate it. And thanks All for, the best, Danielle. Thanks for the stories there, Mike. No, no problem. No problem, Danielle. Sorry. I thought he was going to end with no problem. Mike, I didn't know you were going to say my name after. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so uh, we've basically settled on the fact that divine intervention needs to happen for the Jets to win. Uh, for the Giants, I think they have a little better of a chance. Um, I mean, the key to victory for the Giants, I think, would be to, to control the clock as well. And For the same reason, the best Tom Brady is the Tom Brady with his butt parked on the bench. At least he can't beat you then. Um, I was actually surprised to see that there are 16 teams that hold on to the ball longer than the Bucks in, in terms of uh, time of possession, you know. I think the Giants are going to have to be able to sustain those long drives with the run game, which is going to be real hard because um, Gallman looks to be their, their only back, I believe, this week. And uh, maybe Daniel Jones as well will throw, throw some yards in. But they actually match up well with, I mean, within 1% of the Bucks on third down. And when it comes to fourth down, the Giants are right up there with the Bucks again at a 75 conversion rate. Uh, on fourth down. So that's pretty good. Um, I just think that, um, uh, by the way, the percentages are the Giants convert on 75% of fourth downs and, and, the, and the Bucks are at 80% of fourth downs. I think where they're markedly different, though, oh, I know where they're markedly different is in the turnover di- differential. The Bucks are at plus five and the Giants are at minus four on that. So the Giants have actually you might know, have the second most turnovers in the entire league. And, you know, it's funny. Maybe it's not so funny, but I, I when I 
looked at this, you look at the top five of turnovers committed in the entire NFL, all four NFC teams are in the top five. Is that crazy? I kind of like, I didn't laugh, but I kind of like snorted at that, like, huh, figures. So uh, Art Stapleton, by the way, tweeted about 15 hours ago that Devontae Freeman is out. Sterling Shepard is a go. CJ Board is questionable. So uh, Wayne Gallman is getting the load. And then the, the Bucks' key to victory is to, as you heard TJ talk about, eliminate the New York Giants' run game. And Joe Judge said that Tom Brady is fluent in football, which we can all agree, right? His touchdown-to-interception ratio over the past five games is 15-1. to one. Safe to say he's found his groove in Tampa. He's got three touchdown passes in three games this season. So that total of nine. And he's coming off the best game in a, in a red uniform against the Raiders last week. So um, forget about the fact that the Giants' uh, defense made Carson Wentz look like Tom Brady last week. 359 yards and two touchdown passes and one rushing touchdown to Carson Wentz. So, uh, I don't know. Daniel Jones is the Giants' leading rusher. He has more yards on the ground, by the way. I added it up. Daniel Jones has more yards on the ground than both Devontae Freeman and Wayne Gallman combined. Yeah, you heard that right. So, bad luck for the the G-Men and Jones. The Bucks get the ice bath ready, as I said before. The Bucks have the NFL's best rushing defense. Only 66 yards allowed per game. Three yards per carry. And they've only given up five rushing touchdowns. They absolutely shut down Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery. They're probably going to add Wayne Gallman to the list. So Daniel Jones is going to be duress under siege all night long. Forced the Bucks to beat him with his arm. And we all know the propensity for him to throw the ball into the other team in those tight windows. And bad news, the Bucks defense ranks second in the NFL in interceptions. Yikes. So prediction time. Um, so Tom Brady's offense ranks third in the league in points per game. Giants are 31st. All things considered, I just don't see a scenario in which the Giants win. I'm taking the over on Tampa Bay's average and the under on the Giants' average points per game. So my prediction, all in all, is going to be Buccaneers, 35, Giants, 10. But you never know because you got Daniel Jones saying that this is a quote. I think the team, you know, his team, the Giants, I think the team that is playing now is a much different team than the one that started this season. Would you say he's correct? I'd venture to guess yes. I do think so. I I, I do feel that the Giants, I mean, the Giants are, have been close in all but, what, one game? It's just a matter of, you know, Wayne Corbett said it last week, when you're when you're a good team, the ball bounces your way, and when you're not a good team, it, it doesn't. But I think the Giants are okay. It's just they need to get over that hump and, and, and put one in the win column. Welcome back, everybody, in our final hour together here on this November 1st, 2020. It is week eight of the NFL season. We have the Jets traveling down to 
Kansas City, Kansas City, here they come. And the Jets are going to get their butts kicked in Kansas City and then come right back home. And the Giants on Monday Night Football have a better chance of maybe beating the Bucks than the Jets, beating the Chiefs, but we know how that's probably going to go as well. Probably better news is our uh, baseball teams in the area. We have the Mets. They just became the richest, richest team in the MLB. We've got the Yankees, who have, I think, a lot more questions than answers at this point. A lot of moving pieces. Um, And we were debating the fact of, do the Mets, I mean, do the Yankees say, screw the luxury cap and just go for it? Then we also have the Mets fans telling their, their lists of free agents in which order they would like. Steve Cohen to go ahead and sign um, from the very top of the free agent class this offseason. And again, that opens at 5.01 p.m. later today. And we'll get to your calls. 877-337-6666. I'm with you till 6 a.m. everybody when Bob Salter comes up next. All right. James in Pennsylvania. You're on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Danielle? I'm good. How are you? What's up? Um, you know, this is actually a very good time for uh, Steve Cohen to buy the Mets. And I'll tell you a reason why. Um, because of the uh, pandemic and everything that's going on, and a lot of teams not offering, you know, big-time free agents extra money and stuff because mm-hmm. they don't know their financial situation that's coming up. Right. This is a good chance for the Mets to really get, like, plays that are very cheap and that could help them out immediately, like uh, – Corey Kluber and Morton, they could offer them some kind of a contract that wouldn't, you know, really be that expensive. And also, you know, you get a guy like uh, George Springer to go into center field and uh, McCann behind the plate. If you can do all those things and it won't cost you a lot of money, it's not like bringing in four top free agents. You understand? It's like one big free agent and three mediocre guys. I got it. But why even, if you're a Mets fan, why even... Pick the low-hanging fruit. Why not go for the top? Well, because you know what? you Like I said, not knowing the situation financially, he's already going to eat $400 million to begin with before he even starts as you know the owner because of what the Wilpons did with their money. Right. But also, you know, you just you don't want to go into the market with the big money thinking that you just got to spend it like crazy. The most important thing for the Mets, which I've always said over the years, is to build their farm system. That is the most important thing for them. They have never done that, and that's one of the reasons why they have never been the big market team that they should have been. Well, Brody you know? Van Wagenen did a number on that this time around. Yeah, but you know what? It's not too late. You know, you get good baseball people who know stuff and put them in your farm systems and work the system the correct way like the Dodgers do, like St. Louis does. Like All the, the Rays. Good yeah. That's how you make a winner and a sustainable winner, not a winner that wins one year and then you don't hear from them for the next 20. Right. The idea right. is to keep your momentum going all the time and that you're always in it even if you don't win it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. You build it the you right know, way. You build it from, from the inside out. And, and the, Mets, they, the Mets did that, they, though. I mean, when you look at their team. Oh, yeah. They, they always second class, you know, really. They, they've never gone, like you said, for the big ones. You know, right. they have never done that. Yeah, You're right. But, I agree with you. But look at their homegrown talent on the team. I mean, they got Alonzo. They've got Nimmo. They've got Conforto. They've got, I mean, those guys came up through, quote unquote, the system, you know? Yeah, but look at 
they gave away. Look what they gave away for Cano. They gave well, away those two great pitchers. Ridiculous, another yeah. Another great prospect. Yep. You know what? This is what I'm talking about. These are guys that are just starting now, and they're going to be great ball players. these two pitchers. So, you know, this is what I'm saying. You don't give away your good young talent. You just don't do it. You know, you just got to stick with a program that's going to be a winning, sustainable program. Yeah. You know, and yep. this is how you become a winner. And you change the whole outlook. People want to come to a team that has a great farm system, that has a, a team that's always in it, a team that's always trying to improve to win the thing. You know, you don't. A lot of people don't want to come to the Mets because of their organization. They're always considered a second-class organization, period. Not anymore. No, not anymore. And, you know, he's a businessman. Remember this. He's just not going to throw his money away. He's going to put people in spots so that he can work the system like I told you. Watch. He's going to be – they're going to make one big splash as far as signing the big free agent. And I think that free agent guy is going to be Springer. I really do. I think Springer's going to be the center fielder. But they have to shore up their catching situation, which has always been the biggest problem with them, and their third base situation. Yeah, and and James, thanks for the call. I very much appreciate that. Um, Yeah, so I guess the question for Mets fans is going to be how many free agents would you be satisfied with uh, that Steve Cohen comes down with? I think think two would be be satisfactory, and I think the two, number one for me would be uh, on, on my list of priorities, if I were the Mets, number I mean, you need catch, you need a catcher. You, JT Realmuto, he would be the guy. I mean, will it be a frenzy of a spending spree? I'm not sure. I, you know, I, I am a little hesitant about that as well. But I do think the Mets will land. Uh, I wish there was a bet on this. Exactly two. I think the Mets will land exactly two. So my question, I guess, would be how many of the top free agents, Mets fans? The top guys, the top, the upper echelon guys, would you be happy with, Mets fans? Um, my picks in this order would be Real Muto, number one. Two would be Bauer. Three would be Springer. Those are those are my choices in order. And, of course, I have explanations for that. But let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Ron in Rosedale Park. You're on a fan, Ron. Yes, good morning. How are you? Um, what is your favorite game for today and i have uh, two daughters so what was your favorite halloween costume ever that i've worn yeah i have been a many good things actually over all the years um once my mom made me those are always the best one my mom made me a an m&m bag out of like felt (laughs) and i because i love m&ms so (laughs) i was a big m&m bag in like third grade or fourth grade or something (laughs) cool um, and what was the other question? Oh, what's your favorite game for today? Like to watch on TV? Right. Um, just for the entertainment factor or like? Yeah, just for, just for, just that you really want to watch. Um, if I had on to betting, pick, you know. I think, I, you know what I think? Well, well, two, I would say. And for two different reasons. Ron, thanks for the call. Um, I would be totally tuned in to, if I'm a Giant fan, I would be totally tuned in to the Cowboys-Eagles game just to see how that's going to go because the NFC East is wide open, let's be honest. Um, but in terms of, like, you know, good football, I'd have to go 49ers, Seahawks. I mean, I think that could very well be a preview of a playoff matchup, possibly the NFC championship matchup, although I think the Bucks are going to have something to say about that. Um, I just think the Seahawks are an exciting team. I love DK Metcalf. I love Russell Wilson. Um, so that would be my game. That's the uh, 425. 
I don't know if we get that game. It says it's on Fox. I haven't checked. Um, but I think we do have another game at one o'clock. I'm trying to think, it's Jets Chiefs, and then it's oh oh yeah, it's the Vikings and Packers game. I did look that on my TV guide. I, I went, I scrolled all the way to the right, all the way to the right. So we've got Jets, Jets Chiefs, and Vikings Packers. Meh. I mean, I guess I'll have to watch the Jets and Chiefs right until about halftime, right? And then I'll switch to the other game. I think everybody's going to do that. Maybe bail even sooner. Never know. Mike in my home state, the very best, New Jersey. Mike, you're on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Jim? I, 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 uh, Laurie, I am dancing. I am dancing in the streets about 4 o'clock or 3 o'clock tomorrow, Friday afternoon when it came out. Mike. They're gone. Wait a minute. Good riddance to bad rubbish, as my, one of my old teachers used to say. Mike. I, yeah. I'm Danielle. I'm Danielle. <laughs> Danielle, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That's... But seriously, I am so glad to yeah. get rid of the Wolfonsies. Get them out of here. I don't want to hear about them anymore. Take Bernie. Hey, Bernie, go find a job. Get out of here. Because we got to rebuild this whole thing. Uh, I'm not going to say I'll, I'd love to go say I'm going to go see them this summer. But nobody knows what's going to happen with the pandemic. But the minute they open, I want to be there. I mean, this is exciting. The guy's got money. You don't become a billionaire by being stupid. Mm. The idea of bringing Alderson in is absolutely fabulous because Alderson knows what to do. He's going to bring in the right people who are going to do like he said and like your other caller, like you and your other caller said, we've got to build the farm. You just have to take your time. The World Pines were just trying to open its gates, get as much money as they could gouge from the fan, and that's it. This is a new era, and this is something that, you know, I've been a Mets fan since, like, 1963 when my I was a youngster making confirmation or something. And one of my uncles and my godfather, <laughs> I guess, the sponsor says to me, look at that TV, go to battery. He goes, that's going to be your team forever. And it was a Mets game in, like, April or something back then. Yeah. And, he, and, and, you know, I'm just so excited. It's a new beginning. I've been so sick of listening to them for years, you know. They didn't care about us. They just wanted my money. It sounds like another team in town, don't you think? Football team? Oh, but please. You know what? I'm a Redskin. I'm a, I'm a Washington Dolphins fan. The Jets, forget it. You know, I have friends that are Jets fans. I call them up and go, hey, Kev, what do you think? Shut up. And I'll hang up the phone. <laughs> yeah. The Jets are another horrible team. We, you know, and the Knicks. Uh, you know, I think who might be good down the road, you were just saying other teams, the Nets. Slowly yeah. but surely might get better. I mean, I'm not into basketball too much. My, what I'm waiting to see, too, is when the Islanders open up the new place. I love my Islanders. And I saw them once or twice over in the, uh, the place in Brooklyn. It was okay, but it's like you're trying to watch a game, but you can't see because you're putting a hockey arena with a basketball, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I am just so happy that the Mets are finally, there's a possibility. Now, this guy Cohen's going to spend money. It's going to take a year, two or three, but there is definitely light at the end of the tunnel. The people will come around. The will, the will who? The will who? Who are they? You know, and and when Jeff is there crying the blues, hey, Jeff, what are you crying the blues about? You and your family just got $2 billion or whatever to get out of town. You don't have to work no more. You're not like the average person that's getting hurt with the economy. Yeah. Just go find something to do with yourself, little boy. You know, oh. but it, 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 it's, I'm so happy. It is really great news. You know, the Yankees, uh, you know, there's only one Yankee I loved my whole life. And I'm old enough to say I was there. Was I went to Maryland Day way back in 69. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, my heart has always been blue and orange, I guess, the Mets and the Islanders. And we'll see where we go from there. But uh, it's so nice to have you on the air. I wish they would give you more hours because I hate when they turn around and they go to the other station, you know, other parts of the thing. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. terrific, gotcha. Laura, uh, Danielle. <laughs> Don't call me Laura. There I go again. Well, you look, I say real quick, yeah. I have a 95-year-old mom upstairs with dementia. Yeah. And, you know, it gets really hard some days. <laughs> I forget what the heck day it is. So, But, Danielle, you do All a good. great job, and I'll call you soon. And I just... What do you think, in your opinion? Do you think we're going to have baseball this year like we had, or are you not sure? You mean uh, as far as playing the season? As far as fans getting in and playing, yeah. 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 All right, Mike, thanks. Uh, Thanks for the call. You got Oh, sorry. Um, Yeah, do I think that they're going to allow fans in? I think, uh, yeah, I think they're looking around and they're seeing that football's doing it. There are some football teams that are doing it, case in point. The Kansas City Chiefs operating at a 22% capacity this weekend or later today, in fact, for the Jet game. And I think baseball, I mean, I don't think they can afford financially to keep taking hit after hit after hit financially. Um, You know, I just think they're going to have to find a way. So I think at a limited capacity, of course, um, and even if there is a vaccine that it comes out, let's say, by Christmas, right? Let's just say there's a vaccine by Christmas. Well, then you also have to factor in the fact that People are going to need to get vaccinated, and it's going to take a long time to do that, So, which would go right into the spring. So I think the baseball season will start at a limited capacity starting in the spring, maybe by the end of the season, playoff this time next year maybe. We'll be at full capacity. I don't know. But the last sporting event that I was live at was, uh, I think it was March 8th, I think it was. It was the U.S. women's national team playing in Newark. And I think, and, and and I had a media credential from the fan to go. And I remember one of the reporters asked Megan Rapino, newly engaged Megan Rapino, uh, about, you know, about this COVID stuff and its effect on sports. And she was like, listen, we just follow the directions of, you know, the, the governing body. And if they say it's safe, it's safe. Three or four days later, the whole country was shut down. So, um, yeah, I just it's it's a weird thing. I, I can't predict it. No one can. Um, but I really hope to get be able to get back into a stadium soon. I mean, there's nothing like you know, you're seeing the empty stadium on TV and you're like, "Oh man, like wh- try to remember what was it like to be there?" Like, "Oh, like when you go and you look at all the you think about all the concessions. Like I love at at uh, Yankee Stadium right behind home plate the chicken sliders with the Nathan's fries, that's my go-to. And there's only two of those stands in the entire stadium. One behind home plate, one up in like 434 or something like that. So, yeah, I'm I'm itching to get back to a game. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, you know, I don't know. I, I hope so. And, and if we can't, then we're just going to have to – Figure out another way to be part of it. Maybe like we can do with what basketball has done and put the, the virtual selves on TV and whatever. I, the cardboard cutouts, they're not doing it for me anymore. I'm, I'm over them. I really am. <laughs> We're going to hit the break. 877-337-6666. More of your phone calls in a couple seconds. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. 
Get your full dose of Giants and NFL football here on The Fan. Today, it's doubleheader action starting at 345 featuring the Seahawks and 49ers, followed by the Cowboys and Eagles. Then it's on to Monday Night Football as the Giants are back home to face Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks Tomorrow night at 815 with Giants game day at 645. Make sure you're locked in for all the action on Sports Radio 1019 WFAN-FM with Big Blue Football, also available on your laptop or desktop at WFAN.com. Welcome back, everybody, to this Jay-Z wonderful song. This song brings me back. Nick, I'm going to tell you where this song brings me back to. We were in college, 2009. We went to this bar uh, to watch the Yankees beat. We had a feeling it was going to happen. We went to the bar to watch the Yankees beat the Phillies to win the World Series. And this song, I always think, we were singing this song on the way back. This makes me think of it all the time. Yeah, definitely a good song. And, Whatever and, you think about New York, the Yankees, and just anything New York, basically. Yeah, and you know what else, too? The song reminds me of that night when we got back to our dorm room. My roommate, there were four of us that lived, like, each individual dorms, like, individual rooms in the one apartment. My one roommate didn't come out with us that night. She was a Phillies fan. And when we got back, her door was closed, her lights were off, and it was, like, not late, you know? She didn't want to talk to us. <laughs> so every time that song comes on, it takes me back to that night. Yeah. So the Mets, uh, a majority, a vo- most of the volume of the calls that I have been about the Mets and that they have anointed their savior, billionaire Steve Cohen. Mets fans everywhere are rejoicing, and... I let everybody in on the Halloween costume I'm wearing. I know it's November 1st, but when I left my house, it was still October 31st, but the Halloween costume. So I decided to scrap my original idea. My original idea was to wear a Mark Sanchez jersey and a paper bag over my head. Instead, though, I opted for a Mets, the black version T-shirt with uh, David Wright on the back, a Mets cap, and a printout of the famous MasterCard black card. You know, the one that only the one presenters one percenters possess. I felt that it was more timely, more appropriate. Although the Jets will be demolished by the Chiefs later today. But just adding that MasterCard with no limit, no spending limit, I think really signifies how Mets fans are feeling right now. And do they go out and go on a spending spree in free agency? I don't know, but how many of the main tier free agents would you be happy with if you are a Met fan? I think that two would be sufficient, and my two would be Real Muto and Bauer. Let's go back to the phones, 877-337-6666. Lenny in Long Island, you're on the fan. And good morning. It's great to hear you again, um, and uh, it's great to, you know what, it's great to be a Met fan. So I'm going to give you something. I want to I want to see if you could answer this. I'm going to read off real quickly eight eight former New York Mets. Tell me what they have in common. Okay. Justin Turner, Colin McHugh, Rafael Montero, who's now the closer in Texas, mm-hmm. Travis Darno, Zach Wheeler, uh, Dwayne Murphy, Wilmer Flores, and Darren O'Day. What do they all have in common? Well, they're all no longer Mets. Is that what you're going that, well, You hit that right on the Shinogon. That's it. But what do they have in common? Traded? In to that? All traded? 
The Mets got rid of each one of these players, and they got back Zippo. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Zippo, right? I was so, almost there, yeah. It's great to be a Met fan, and I've been a Met fan going back to when they drafted Hobie Landreth as their first pick in the expansion draft in 62. But here's what I'm a little... It, 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 I find it very interesting. You know, as we all do, that baseball is a copycat sport. Mm-hmm. And with what's going on in this country, with the uh, $8 billion in losses, uh, I, I do believe that Tampa and their approach to the game is going to be copied by a lot of teams. Already we see we see Colton Wong let go. We see, uh, uh, oh, uh, Murphy got let go by Colorado. Mm-hmm. And uh, their buyout was $6 million. Mm-hmm. He was a $12 million player with a $6 million buyout, right. and they let him go. <laughs> That's right. crazy. Mm-hmm. So we could see what the teams are trying to do, except for one, except the New York Mets. Now we're going to be spending money while everybody else is going to be, is going to be cutting back. And uh, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of most Mets fans, they need a center fielder and they need a catcher. Mm-hmm. And it would be easy to say Real Muto and Springer, but um, no matter what it is, if you're a Met fan, you know one thing, you're going to be frustrated, you're going to have some fun. And uh, one last question real quick, yeah. all right? Not about the Mets, okay? Yeah. And, with, and I don't know if you talked about this. With A.J. Hinch coming back, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, there are some people that say, hey, he cheated. He cheated. He didn't stop it. Or right. he didn't know about it, right. or he thought it was okay, right? Still a part of it, yep. Okay, but he paid his penalty, right? Did he? Yeah. Well, he did because he's back in the game. I don't think he should be. I think he should be anything but a manager. Yes. Would be okay with me. Okay. But my question is, if he's back in the game as a manager, what about Pete Rose? Uh, and I'll, and forgive me for saying this, I, yeah. I don't know who your sponsors are, but with FanDuel and DraftKings sponsoring Major League Baseball, the times they have been a changing, right? Mm-hmm. Should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? I think yes. I think yes. Okay. Yeah, I do. Like, for, for the reason you just cited, I mean, maybe you put a little asterisk next to his plaque or something, but what he did for the game, it's not like he... It's, I mean, it's not like he used steroids. I mean, those guys are, are maybe might be getting in, and guys that use them that we don't even know about are in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I think it's time. I, times are changing. I mean, you saw the – I forget the, the, the company, and, and thanks for the call there, Lenny. Um, you saw the one company that was uh, just getting in with, with the NFL, like literally inside the stadiums, like FanDuel – I think it was FanDuel Sportsbook inside stadiums. So, yeah, I think the times are changing – I think everybody needs to loosen up a little bit on that. I, yeah, I think what Pete Rose did for the game of baseball it was bad, but what he, how he performed on the field is, is undeniable, the talent level that he had. And I think, um, I just think that it's enough. Enough is enough. I mean, we've seen these guys come back into good graces, right? A.J. Hinch has got a job. Jeff Lunau is probably going to be next. And then you got Alex Rodriguez, who's commentating on, on the primetime Baseball games. I mean, it's just baseball, I guess, is a forgiving culture. I don't, I, you know, I mean, that's, it is what it is. I mean, do I think he should be in the Hall of Fame? Maybe in a separate wing of like, you know, with the the Astros 2017 trophy with the, you know, um, with the, the, the PED users. Yeah, maybe that's, that's a teachable moment, I think, in, in that sense. 
Um, and, and I am a proponent of the fact that you should be separating out those types of players. In it, yes. Separate, also yes. Dave in West or David, I'm sorry, in Westchester, you're on the fan. Yeah. Hey, how are you, Danielle? I'm good. How are uh, you? So, good. So I'm listening to all this Mets, like, oh, he's going to bring us a championship. Oh, you know, for you know, since Cohen started talking about buying, uh, you know, the Mets earlier in the year because he's a billionaire, he's just going to buy us a championship, and it is the most ridiculous thing. Like, if you look at the number of sports teams, they're all owned by billionaires, and it, and if you look at, for example, just to even narrow it down, so it's not like overly generalized. Mm-hmm. Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers in 2014. He's worth $70 billion. Well, he's so, the only one worth more no, than no, no. Cohen. So, so Steve Cohen is like a poor man compared to Steve Ballmer. And how many championships have the Clippers won during this period of time? I None. don't know, but I don't know his background. How did he make his billions? I don't know. Honestly, only, he was like Microsoft's CEO. Okay. Not, not, and that's actually a very good question because if you look at Cohen... He's a buyer of undervalued assets and a high-speed trader. But isn't that a that's good thing? Po- Doesn't that translate no, well to baseball? No, that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. That's not a long-term business builder with mentality who can take a player who can say that this person has talent and help that person to nurture it, like a farm system. Right, but that's, that's why he's hiring Sandy Alderson to, to be that person. Who could, again, the people who are thinking that this is going to turn into like a championship one after the other – you're going to really be in for a long, long haul here. And don't expect, like, it's unreasonable to expect that it's going to turn the tide so quickly. You know what, though? I disagree with you, though, because when you got, you go out and you get, uh, you have Jacob deGrom, obviously, as your number one starter. You go out and you buy Trevor Bauer. You go out and then you have uh, Syndergaard behind. I mean, you, you can have a real formidable starting rotation. You shore up two more positions defensively. And and I think the Mets are right in it. And and I think for a window of maybe two and three years, the Mets are right back in this thing. At the same time, you got Sandy Alderson on the back end, building up the draft and the international money and, and all that. So I don't know. I I, I, th- I David. I, I, I hopefully I, you're right. Hopefully you're right. Hopefully you're right because it would actually be nice to have a, a actual New York sports franchise winning. For you know, for, for sustainable winning, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but I just don't think it's as, as magical as everybody's making it out to be. Okay, I really don't. Yeah, I mean that I'll give you. I mean it, it's tempered a little bit. And David, thanks for the call. But to say that it's they're they're not going to be instantaneous winners, I I, I I just I don't know. I mean I, I I don't know because when you got a guy like JT Real Muto behind the plate, you got a guy like Trevor Bauer in your rotation. With possibly bringing back Strowman, we'll see. Uh, with Syndergaard and Degrom, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about. You first, I mean, the first order of business obviously is going to have to be to re-sign or extend, uh, re-sign probably uh, Michael Conforto. That's first. I mean, I think the Mets are are going to be right in the thick of things. Obviously, I think it's obvious. And 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 for. The Mets, I think the number one priority needs to be JT Realmuto. He's a two-time gold glove winning catcher, two-time silver slugger. He hits for average, which is right up the Mets' philosophy, right up their alley. A little bit of power. Oh, and he's a right-handed bat. He's his catcher as durable as they come. I mean, I looked up and I averaged together. He averages 
135 games a season behind the plate throughout his career. And in this sprint of a COVID season, 47 games he played. And how about you couple that with the fact that the Mets have declined options for Wilson Ramos and Robinson Chirinos? I mean, this all, it just sounds like a perfect fit to me. But maybe not for Oklahoma native Real Muto himself. Because according to, this was Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philadelphia, he said a person described as close to Phillies catcher JT Real Muto said he would, quote, like to remain in Philadelphia and is not particularly keen on playing in New York. Is this a potential red flag? Should the Mets stay away from him? I mean, he's already telling him. Maybe he goes the way of uh, maybe A.J. Burnett or even a better example, Sonny Gray maybe. I don't know. Can't f- play in New York. But again, how many other teams could pony up that money, $23 million a year that he's looking for or expected to get? Money talks. And how about also, too, like you've, you've been in the league for, let's just think about it, say you're him, you've been in the league for, for six years. In his seventh year, he's got a great chance to do that with the Mets, to make the postseason, to make the playoffs, possibly win it all. So, in conclusion, if I'm the GM, I'm going to offer maybe a four- or five-year deal around $22 million with him. I think you pay the guy. And I think the Mets are at a slight disadvantage because they... So I think the Mets are at a slight disadvantage because they, um, how do I say this? I think because they didn't have an owner in place right away, their general manager still on paper is Brody Van Wagenen. And he's going to be the guy that's going to be brokering these deals, or is he? I don't know. But I I love the oversight of, of Sandy Alderson on him. And... If he's outgoing, then what incentive does Brody Van Wagenen have to make a beneficial deal? You know what I'm saying? If he's on his way out, then then what does he care? Unless they keep him. And we could talk about that. We could talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly for for uh, Brody Van Wagenen as well. But I think JT Realmuto is all but a perfect fit for the Mets, and it was it would be the big splash that Steve Cohen is looking for. Again, your call is 877-337-6666. This is your last chance to get aboard, everybody. Last chance. Frank in Kings Park, you are on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? I'm good, Frank. How are you? Very good. A uh, couple things with the match. I mean, Met fans are getting just to be rid of the will pond, number one. Number two, I'm not really sure it's Met fans calling up saying they're going to win multiple championships. That could be anybody. And I would go after Springer first, then Bauer, and maybe a catcher like Zonino. Because I don't know about Real Muto. He might be a little problem, like you're saying, with these red flags about New York. And he wants a record, you know, a record deal. Mm-hmm. Which, it's a lot of know, pressure. Yeah. And I would look into a guy like Brad Hand. There's plenty of people out there that the Mets could go after. I mean, Springer, to me, would be perfect. We need a right-handed bat and center fielder. Bauer, unquestionably, would be, you know... But there's other pitchers out there. I mean, you don't have to make the big splash all over the board, but this is why we're happy as uh, as Met fans now because I I believe that the little pieces will not be a problem now with, a, with an owner like Cohen. Because we think the Mets didn't uh, go after that final piece even when they were contenders. So let's go, Mets. 
Thanks. <laughs> I, lo- I love the end of that call. So, in conclusion, let's go, Mets. Yeah, there's been a lot of that. Been a lot of celebrating. Um, I don't know. I just think, I don't know. Uh, he, he had an order that is the exact opposite of mine. George Springer first. I don't know. I, I don't. I think the catcher is more of a need, and it's more of a, a prime position than, than a center fielder is. Although, I mean, three most important positions on the diamond are shortstop, catcher, center field. I would probably say catch in this order: catcher, shortstop, center field. Um, I get it, but it could be a red flag with Real Muto. It could not be. It could work out well. I, I don't know. I, I'm taking a chance on him. I'm taking a chance. 877-337-6666. Jesse in Queens, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Good to uh, see you back on the air. Thank you. Um, I think the Mets really need to get a, a real manager. I know uh, Rojas, the players love him. He comes from a good uh, baseball family. I understand that. But I don't think he's ready to to lead a team to uh, the championship. I think Buck Showalter is the perfect guy for the Mets. With Steve Cohen, with his money, Showalter, with his experience, can guide them, you know. And um, I think that's that's the best call. I think the Mets are, are in a win now mode. Degrom might have one or two more great years. Yep. So why why keep wasting these years? So a manager can learn how to be a manager. Get Showalter in here. Let's win. If you want, you know, let let Rojas be the you know bench coach, and he can. You know, learn under Showalter and maybe down the road take over. But Showalter is a guy I love to whenever he's talking on 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 radio or on yes, he's really knowledgeable. He's really smart. He doesn't make you know he's not going to make these mistakes that Rojas made and Callaway made. Let's go for a real manager, experienced, and that's it. Let's do it. Enough playing around, and that's it. I think you make a great point there, Jesse. And what is it in particular you don't like about Luis Rojas? Just the experience factor? Yeah, he's, he's you know, he's he's young. You know, he has a lot to learn. And unfortunately, because of DeGrom and some other players they have, we don't have five, six years to to give him the time to... to I'm sure he's going to be a great manager down the road. Right. But we're in win-now we're in, we're in mode. As I said, make him the bench coach. He can learn, learn on the show, Walter, and, and that's it. Right? The players love him. He comes from a good baseball family, Felipe Lou. So I like him, but I don't think he's the manager to bring them to the promised land right now. I think show Walter is perfect. He's been there. He's been chomping at the bit to get to get back into baseball and prove everybody wrong. And I think New York with Colin here would be perfect. And, you know they can they can have a winning team for the next seven, eight, nine years with Cohen and Showalter at the helm. Let's do it. You know enough yeah. playing around, enough enough uh, playing footsie and getting Callaway and all these unproven guys. Brody. I mean, I give Brody some credit because I was reading in uh, the Athletic that he was really uh, good at getting these guys like uh, Matthew Allen. A lot of teams shot away from him because of uh, the. The money he wanted, but he he he, uh, he saved a lot of like he he didn't sign a lot of uh, high school and guys. He went for college guys in the later rounds, mm-hmm. so he didn't spend a lot of money on those guys, and he saved the money for uh, 
that guy. So I'll, I'll give him some credit because he's an he's an agent and he knows how to to deal in the agent world. Right. So I don't think I think he he might have a place in the Mets uh, front office, <sighs> but not as a GM. Yeah, not as but a GM. It, yeah, with not as that. a GM. I they, they've been mentioning uh, this guy from uh, Tampa, Bobby. I forget his name, but it was in the, it was Joel Sherman was mentioning him. And uh, anybody from Tampa, I think, is a good. Oh, was it Bobby Heck? It, I think it was. Heck was the Bobby last name. Bobby what? Heck. H-E- yeah, Bobby Heck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anybody from the Tampa organization, I think, is great because they have a great system. Right. And you know, so I don't think they can go wrong go wrong with that. But I I love Showalter because this guy is an old old school manager. He's not going to make the mistakes like Kevin Cash made. Oh. You see a guy dominating. You leave him in. You leave it's him pretty in. Simple. Leave him you in. You know, an eight-year-old, an eight-year-old could figure that uh, out. Everybody you know, figured that was, it out except for him and his nerds. I, I get it. I know. I know. And that's that's crazy. I mean, I was watching that game, and I'm like, "You're going to take him out?" And <laughs> you know, they would have. I'm sure that if he, he let he left him in, they would have won that game. Yep. And game seven would have been, uh, you know, would have been, uh, you know, all hands on game. deck. Yeah, I, yeah, it would have been. You know, it yeah. wasn't. If they, he he was dominating. Tampa would have won that game. Yep. It would have gone to Game Seven, and you never know what can happen. Yeah, Jesse. So thanks I for think the call. I think Cash made a yeah. horrendous move. Horrendous. I was yep. really I was shocked by that. Yep. I was rooting for Tampa. Yeah, And too. I was rooting for them. Yeah, thanks, so, Jesse. Uh, appreciate it. We need to get Showalter. Thanks a lot, Daniel. <laughs> thanks. In conclusion, Showalter. Yeah. Um. And and I was going to say something about. Oh yeah. And I think the Rays would have won Game Six, as I said in the open. And and I also think that. I think the Rays could have taken Game 7 as well. And because of the fact that Justin Turner would have been sidelined due to COVID. So we're playing the what-if game here. But I really do think that, that the Rays could have taken Game 7. And Cash, really, really, let's let's use a baseball pun, swung and missed on that on that attempt. Noel in New Jersey, you're on the fan. Hi, Danny. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. First time caller. Oh, cool. Um, Welcome. I, so I... Thank you, thank you. I, I agree with the uh, last uh, guy on. Uh, we definitely need an experienced uh, manager. A book show author would definitely be be good. Mm-hmm. Now, I disagree with with uh, Van Wagen. I, I I didn't think he was a he was a good GM uh, by training by training that that blue chip center field that we had in the Cano trade. Yeah, is it Kel- Kel- Kelenich? Jared Kelenich? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. The kid the kid is destroying it. Yeah, well, That's he's he's exactly gonna make his yeah he's gonna make his debut uh, this coming season. So watch out. I know, it, it, and you know what we need to build up is pitching. Pitching is is, a, is is what we need now. If we get Bauer, fine, that'd be great. I know he's a head case. Yeah. You know what? We we need somebody with 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 with, with, with pizzazz. Just somebody to go in there to wake up that lineup. To, and then we also need. We we need a catcher. I, I would stay away from Ray Muto. I would probably go cheaper, go with McCann, McCann. or if not, try to get a trade. Yeah. Now, as for center fielder, I don't want to spend a lot of money in center fielder. So either Bradley will work, or I will make a trade with uh, Oakland to try to get a uh, laser that sent that nasty center fielder they have. They need a shortstop because uh, they're letting their shortstop go to free agency, and we got Rosario. I mean, I like Rosario, but. You know, if we're gonna go in it, we gotta win with what we have now. We got a great core guys, and I think, I think we could win. And so, um, with Sounders, with uh, Alderson, he's he's there. He's gonna give us. He's the, he's a good baseball guy. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna guide Cohen to the right way. And I think he's gonna 
really built the championship team this 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 uh, offspring and 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 get it together so that way us Mets fans can be happy again and and be proud. Yeah, yeah, I get it, Noah, and I think and I agree with you. I think the Mets. Um, there was a caller before that said maybe five, six years. No, no. Based on the simple fact that Jacob Degrom is getting older now, you know, I, and the Mets are win now. I think you do what you can to win now, and then you you work on maybe concurrently building up the farm. And the Kellenich that that killed the Mets. That deal still kills the Mets and haunts the Mets. That the Cano Diaz deal it was horrible. Uh, but again, that was one of Brody Van Wagenen's clients, wasn't it? Robinson Cano. I'd have to double check that for you. But I mean, that was a, that was I consider that a terrible move. Jed Lowry, terrible move. Zach Wheeler, I think, was a medium move. I think he could have got it done if he had a little bit more money. Uh, ultimately, though, and oh, don't forget da- J.D. Davis. J.D. Davis, Brody Van Wagenen got him and uh, Cody Bohannock from Houston for three minor leaguers. Davis has been okay, and he might be the Mets, maybe I would say, number two trade chip. I think Dom Smith is the number one trade chip. I hate to say it, but I think it's true. Nick no in way. Lincoln Park. You're on the fan, Nick. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? couple things I'll unpack here. Mm-hmm. So, first thing, I know you keep pounding the table for JT Real Muto, right? Yes. He's going to be turning 30 by the time next season starts. You want to give a five- or six-year deal to a 30-plus-year-old catcher? No, I would not be giving a five- or six-deal. No. I would give That's him, what he would want. Well, I would give him three, but what, what I'm trying to say is with Steve Cohen, you could – Give him, offer him a three-year deal, but maybe fifteen or twenty percent more for a short-term deal than than a longer-term deal, five years. See what I'm saying? No, absolutely. It's just a matter of him actually accepting the short-term well, deal. Yeah. But, <laughs> for more money, wouldn't you? For tw- for with the money he's looking to make, and twenty percent on top of that for a three-year instead of a five-year. I know I would do it. Some people like security. You never know. Yeah, I guess. Another thing to jump into: Buck Walter. Everyone keeps banging the tail for Buck Showalter. You go to Baltimore, they had the worst analytics in the league by far and away. And now we want to bring that now we want to bring that into New York, where we already had a pretty crappy well, analytics the, department. I think the Mets analytics department, I think in terms of number of people, was uh, the the smallest in the entire league. I think yes. But again, that, that's was, that's not sure. up to but him. I mean, it's up to ownership. It's up to ownership to be able to put that together, that analytics department, and for the uh, and the manager to utilize it. Two. A thousand percent. But in Baltimore, when Buck Walter was there, I know for a fact they had zero analytics. They basically had no analytics department. Okay. As soon as he left, they built it up. He's a guy that doesn't believe in analytics. Oh, so you're saying he doesn't want it. Okay. No. He doesn't. One more thing to throw on you, too. Yeah. I know he's not a free agent, but there's been Arenado trade rumors for yeah, like a couple know, years now. I know. I know. Every, every year. Every year. I know. I would do it. So, uh, yeah, Dom Smith, Nimmo, something like that. Get a rock-solid third baseman in there. He is 30, but that's someone that we can pay until he's 35, 36, no problem. And we have the money now to not really have it bother us too much. Yeah, you know? yep, yep. Go spending. Spending's free. Spending's, let's spend all the money. Um, As far as Buck Showalter, I mean, listen, it's like everybody hates on Kevin Cash, and then everybody hates on guys that don't like analytics, like LaRusso, who doesn't like analytics. I mean, it's just... We're at a crazy point and a crazy juncture in the game of baseball where you know we don't exactly know where where the needle is going to land. And, and I like the middle of the road guys, and just based on what I hear on like like the other call said at Yes Network and stuff like that, I think Buck Showalter would be okay. 
Sparky and Dobbs Ferry. You look like you're going to be the last caller of the night, Sparky. What's up? Oh, Coach, what an honor. <laughs> um, now, before you were mentioning about the Yankees, where their window isn't as large as people think, and yes. you're 100% right because yes. you brought up the Stanton contact. But one thing they got to do, well, first, you got to sign LeMayu. Because let's face it, that guy's like one of the most sound fundamental players I've ever seen. Yeah. Of course, and, uh, he has to be number one on their list. Has to be. And you also brought up, you know, about Clint Frazier. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, when you know, a fellow just called now, bringing up analytics and stuff. Clint Frazier, it's more like just watching the guy. He's the best fastball hitter on the team. Yeah. And and another, and, and, and add to it a gold club, gold glove, uh, um, honoree or whatever, a candidate. Oh. Oh, coach, he definitely worked very hard to make himself into a good outfit. I know, I know that part. Yes. Because let's face it, when he came up, he looked like he needed a map to catch a fly ball. <laughs> and But, you know, when you bring up stuff about people who can't make it in New York, sometimes it's hard to figure. Because the guy who bombed the worst in New York, Jason Bay. Mm. Okay, with the yep, match? Yep. Now... Think about when they signed him, he had just come off a very big year with the Red Sox. Okay, and I could tell you, okay, it's very simple. Now, on where I work for a three-month stretch, we got the Sunday Boston Globe. And, you know, know their media makes ours look like cupcakes, and he succeeded (laughs) in Boston, and he bombed here, so you can't figure it out You can't predict it. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm saying I I would take a chance on Real Muto. I would. Oh, God, you know what? You have to. You have to. And also, just the idea you sign a guy like that, it'll give other potential free agents the idea that this team means business and they're willing yes. to spend. Yes. Yep, and make the statement. He would be the statement for the Mets. Sparky, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Oh, hey, as have always. a great night, Coach. Uh, good day. Good morning. In other words, how? yeah. So to summarize, tonight we've gotten many, many Mets calls. About how the Mets are back in town. The boys are back in town. Oh, maybe I'll play that next week. The boys are back in town. I got to remember that. Um, we've got Yankee fans. Every Yankee fan wants DJ LeMahieu back. It might not be a foregone conclusion, everybody. I just want to temper that. I want you guys to think about that. And, of course, week eight, football is on deck. Jets fans are going to suffer through this one. Giants fans might make it a game on Monday night. We'll see. Anything can happen on Monday night. That's always... It's always, it seems to be an MO, but I think both lose this week. I think the Jets get absolutely demolished by the Chiefs. Like, over by halftime, let's pull all of our starters sort of demolished. And Le'Veon Bell is going to have a vengeance, an agenda to prove against Adam Guru and the Jets for releasing him and letting him go. So thanks to all of the callers tonight. Could not have done this without you. I love coming here, talking to every single one of you, especially on Twitter as well. Uh, special thank you again to Tampa Bay Bucks Radio sideline reporter TJ Reeves, great friend of the show. Great job, Nick, behind the glass. And to Mike McCann on the updates. Bob Salter's up next, everybody. Want to listen to any portion of the show? Get on that radio.com rewind. In the meantime, hit my socials at Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Let's keep the conversation going. I will see you guys again 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. this time next week. Enjoy football and enjoy 
free agency in baseball, everybody. See you next week. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Red. WFM.